This whole country just like my flock of sheep. We want to know what you intend to give away to the communists. He will bring destruction to our traditions. He looked in his heart and he thought in all humility how he'd like to try and change things. Rip off this city for a hundred grand? Yeah. It's, a, it's a groovy thing to do. I propose to demand from the House the immediate removal of the President of the United States. Now, was that your announcement speech? Okay, you said, you said we, we must hold I, ourselves accountable to the highest possible standards of integrity what? and ethics. Then why are we standing here? Why are we standing in an alley on a Saturday night? I mean, don't you think you owe it to us to be forthcoming? Oh, you. You're denying what we've seen with our own eyes. The only eyes. thing I deny is the idea that somehow you have the right to ask me these things. You're running for president. I'm aware of that, Tom. It's in the papers. Well, you have a responsibility. I know full well what my responsibilities are. Do you know yours? Senator. He had sex with that woman. Hello, and welcome to Decades Podcast. This is a podcast where we watch two movies, one from a previous decade and one from the now times, and mm -hmm. they are on a particular, on a similar theme. We also have a theme for the a season this is season two where we're doing political movies and Yay. the two movies we watched were primary the colors front <laughs> oh. <laughs> the front runner and primary colors two movies about we did it. Uh, political <laughs> campaigns right my name's deb kuykendall i'm jacob kuykendall and i'm nicole westry welcome yay <laughs> it's still us mm -hmm. this is episode i don't know 19 oy, 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 of this season of this season yeah this is a long long season because we watched multiple movies from each decade as opposed to mm -hmm. season one where we just watched one movie from each decade which i think is a little unfair to that genre of movies somewhat <laughs> i don't know but in some ways it was nice to just have that nice speedy clip yeah <laughs> through life well and the other thing is so I have become more and more fatigued as we have watched these movies mm -hmm. over yeah. time. That's all. They're so. They're saying I feel downtrodden. Yeah. <laughs> also, for but... this particular two movies, I wa I read like I don't know six or seven That's different mistake, books right about there. campaigns. <laughs> I mean, to be you. fair, I really think that just with the general political climate, I think uh, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> I'd be part of it. drained in general, even <laughs> yeah. if I wasn't watching these movies. Also fatigued for that. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> normally what we do is synopsize the older movie first. Yep. In this case, Primary Colors, which is a movie from 1998. Mm -hmm. uh, it came out a couple of years after the book, which was published in 1996, published anonymously. Famously published anonymously in 1996. Says it's anonymous in the credits of that the is, movie. That's accurate. <laughs> You're going to have to synopsize this one because Boy. it's this one actually has a, a plot, unlike yeah. some of the ones we've watched. Yeah, but it, it has, has some of. weird cuts. I mean, it has oh, a yes. plot with a whole lot of things happen, things that happen. Yeah. Too many things. It has a lot of plot, no story. It's kind of a soap opera. Mm. In yeah. Yeah. The book is more soap opera-y because there's more sex scenes mm -hmm. and and whatnot. And they cut most of those out of the movie, thankfully. Even though it was the 90s, <laughs> they still cut the sex scenes. Now, I'm on a, another podcast occasionally uh, where we watch bad movies. And we talk about how there's kind of an un a recurring theme. They're like some hallmark tropes of bad movies. They're all recent movies for the most part. And one of them is in the bad movies, they will introduce a conflict and then immediately undercut it or remove it and this movie has that primary colors has that in spades yeah mm -hmm. that's part of what makes it 
so hard to follow is they introduce huge huge conflicts and then resolve them almost immediately sometimes without any actual work and then just move on and it doesn't come up again right and you can't always tell whether they're up or down no the emotional swings of the characters you're like wait weren't you just cheering and now you're sad and now you're cheering again what's funny about that is all the books i read about campaigns that's how campaigns are like every one minute to the next they're up or down or struggling or i just yeah i believe that i just don't think the movie like explained Mm -mm. any of their reasoning for being up or down it just was and also to that end like the big we'll get to the big final plot twist and like (laughs) the giant crux of the movie but that is the all of that information is introduced almost within the last 15 minutes and it's resolved within those 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and then the movie ends with it resolved and it's like oh they just continually did this all the way up till the end of the movie and the credits start it was consistent yeah it was (laughs) consistent it was consistent that's for sure so i should probably say so primary colors is based on a book that is a romano clef roman a clef i've never been too sure how to say that word romano clef um about the Clinton cam- the Clinton campaign from 1992. I don't know or, what a Romano clef is. It's a book about, like, fake about somebody mm, real. Okay. That's my understanding, which this definitely was. The movie certainly is. They don't even try to and not the, make them. The book is as well. And there's, like, people have, people who reviewed it, and I don't know about, I don't know if the author did, but basically they said, well, this character is the equivalent of this person in real life, and this character is the equivalent of that person in real life. Um, so Primary Colors is about the Clinton campaign for in, for the presidency in 1992. Mm-hmm. And the other movie that we watched is about the Gary Hart scandal, which prevented him from running for president in 1988, four years earlier. Which gets a shout out in this yeah. movie. Yeah, they do mention Gary Hart in that. Mm-hmm. Um, His scandal's much less complicated than the one in Primary Colors. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean... Mm-hmm. well it is (laughs) this is at least the normal kind of sex scandal this one goes all over the place it does go all over the place (laughs) and who knows what you know what has a parallel in the real world or Mm -hmm. doesn't although many of the things you know what the parallel is like for example way at the end of the movie there's the it's not Tidewaters. They called it Clearwater. Clearwater. Clear the Clearwater scandal that they hint at Mm -hmm. which is obviously a hint towards or a Mm-hmm. Sort of a reference to the Whitewater scandal. Yep. Um, even though it's not the main character's scandal. And it's not explained well enough for me to understand what the scandal was at all. <laughs> well, I, I think can, they I can explain it. I think they expected people in the 90s to, <laughs> to know just, about yeah, it because of how... It's a real estate was. scandal. Yeah, it's a real mm-hmm. estate scandal involving the a different candidate's wife. Yeah. But we'll get to that. That's way <laughs> at the end. The movie starts... Oh, I, I got... I just was thinking of the, the beginning of the... Um, the front runner, which is starts with Tammy Faye Baker and her husband. It's a shot of Tammy Faye mm-hmm. Baker and her husband apologizing, apologizing, which was a big <laughs> scandal that happened during mm. the Gary Hart time frame. And the reason that they, I should talk about this later, but it's <laughs> on my mind now. Yeah. The reason that they reference it is because that was kind of the beginning of the whole tabloid scandal sort of thing. That was, uh, that was a big okay. scandal where a reverend had affairs and, you know, you got to see Tammy Faye Baker's big, big round crying face and her mascara running mm-hmm. down her face. And later they made a documentary about it. And it was a big thing at the time. That was in 88. That was four years before okay. Clinton's run. 
Which is crazy because <laughs> what's crazy about it? Gary Hart totally got dragged through the through the streets and yeah. uh, you know. But he was such a good guy, right? I'm not saying you shouldn't have. <laughs> he was um, so cool. But then four years later, we have Clinton with one That's one so sex many scandal after another yeah. during the campaign and his presidency, and he still got elected president twice. People still like him. Yeah, not as That's much. Right. Okay. But he's still out there. Well, anyway, but that's something else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's we'll, get there. we'll still get there. So this movie starts. Does it start with? Oh, they they're it? introducing Henry. Yeah, Henry's the main oh, character. Oh, that's right. So he's the heart of the movie. Basically, Henry. I don't, I don't even really know what his job on the campaign is. He's a. He, they want the him to be level... the campaign manager. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So and he is supposed to be the George Stephanopoulos. Uh, parallel. Parallel. Um, it's very important that you know that he's a black man. It's very important. It's maybe the most important thing about Henry. And almost the only thing about well, Henry. Well, he's also, you know, a descendant of well-known civil rights activists. Right. Someone yes. that they and refer he's... to as the reverend in the book. He's not and supposed he's to be... Yes. Make that clear, <laughs> He went too. to fancy schools, and he talks like a white person. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I, I actually audibled this book, and the guy that read the book was awesome. And I meant to look up his name because he was <laughs> so good. Um, he... I. I much preferred his version of Henry Burton, just his accent, than the character in the Primary Colors. Because to me, he's, the guy in Primary Colors sounded like Jordan Peele doing <laughs> white. A white guy voice? White guy voice. Uh-huh. I mean, I think we should clarify that when we say he speaks like a white person, what we mean is one of the characters describes him as having that sort of affect. Yes. Right. Well, yeah, he gets bugged for... All kinds of reasons. Yeah. We, it, we should probably uh, disclaim this story a little yeah. bit. This <laughs> well, movie trucks in a lot of stereotypes. Almost exclusive. Many of the characters are exclusively stereotypes. And you know what? It's better It's better at it than the book. The book is much worse. <laughs> well, at least the movie has some actors who may at least have been like, I'm going to try right. to tone this down. And also it was written by a woman and that might have had some positive effect. The book was written, I think part of the problems is that the book was written by a man named Joe Klein, not anonymous. His name was not anonymous. He was a columnist. And he is a white person. Mm -hmm. Um, He, I believe he's Jewish. Okay. But the main character, the main narrator of the book is Henry Burton, who is a black man. And it's very important to the story. Yes. And the book also has a lot more sexism in it. Then does the movie, although the movie has, has a lot. plenty. <laughs> a lot to go around. <laughs> yes. Sure. But everywhere, you know, it, as far as the... At least is, in the movie, it's portrayed as negative, just not that negative. I, You know, it's really hard to tell from the book when, when it's intentionally trying to say this is a bad thing mm-hmm. and when it's accidentally being bad on its own. Yeah. Because it's very, it's all spaghetti together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's similar to this movie. It's similar to The Front Runner. Yep. Front Runner had some issues as well <laughs> on those lines. Um, so Henry Burton, he is, he had worked on a campaign previously and he, he had not liked the person that he was working for. And they want to get him on board with the... Um, with Governor Jack Stanton. Jack Stanton's campaign. Governor Jack Stanton is not really, he's not a front runner. Nobody really knows who he is when the movie starts. Mm-hmm. He's a lesser known candidate. And um, he really cares about the issues, you know? He's like a really cool guy. Right. And that's why the first scene is them going to a, an adult literacy program mm-hmm. where he sits down and the students, the adult students, tell their stories. 
the most notable one being from uh, an African-American man who talks about how he was passed along through school all the way through to the end of high school. And then when he graduated, they gave him a certificate of attendance and he had never learned to read. Mm -hmm. And then you see Henry crying at the telling of the story. And then he looks over and the governor is crying even (laughs) harder. Oh man, (laughs) he cares most of all. And then he gives a speech about how much he cares. Oh, but I forgot, I forgot the, some other important stuff that happens. They're setting up some things here. They're setting up a lot. He meets the uh, woman who is the librarian teacher who runs this program played by Allison Janney. Wonderfully. (laughs) Playing, played clumsily. (laughs) And I don't mean her, theatrical performance (laughs) but that she trips a lot Mm -hmm. and when she trips her legs are exposed (laughs) yeah yeah because she's wearing like a wraparound dress and that (laughs) feels like it's on purpose yeah Uh um she trips like three times on the way to the she trips twice on the way to the sitting around the table and then once later Uh, coming out of governor (laughs) stanton's bedroom yes coming out of governor stanton's bedroom so then governor after the after the African-American man tells his story, uh, Governor Stanton tells a story about his Uncle Charlie, who mm-hmm. was a v- veteran who, like, first he says, no, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. He uses a slur about Japanese soldiers in mm-hmm. the uh, yeah in the uh, World War II in referencing to his uncle having saved his tr- troop or whatever. He's a war hero. Yeah, he's a war hero, gets the Medal of Honor. And I don't know if they ever come back to this in the movie. In the book, you find out quite, quite... Uh, explicitly that it, that story is not true. Oh, I, I mean, I assumed it wasn't true based on how they were sort of building up this character. Did, but did we ever see don't Uncle ever... Charlie in the movie? No. No. I, in fact, I I didn't assume it was untrue. I just was like, eh, whatever. Yeah. No. I, it just washed over me. It's explicitly uh, Charlie is in the book, and he talks to Henry Burton at some point and says, "Oh, is that the story who told you?" Interesting. Yeah. And you also find out in the book, which it's not, I don't know that it's clear. I don't think they make it clear in the movie that Uncle Charlie is not really his uncle. He actually is an adopted, sort of adopted by his mom's family when his own parents die. Mm -hmm. So they're unrelated. Uncle Charlie and uh, Jack Stanton are not related to each other by blood. Was that something about it that happened in Bill Clinton's life? Or is this just like, because I don't understand how that plays into anything that happened. I don't know. There's a lot of I think stuff it's just, in this book. Yeah, I think it's just convenient for him to have this catch-all character who fills many roles that They're need to be. They're all that, though. Every <laughs> yeah. character is like yeah. that. There's so much backstory for this character who in the movie we don't see and also has no meaning to this. He could have just been like, I knew a guy. Well, he, hmm. he has to come be the doctor at the end as well. Yeah, that's right. I'm just rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So he tells the story. He really is. Um, adult literacy is really important to him. And then later you see they're in the hotel and you see Alice and Janney coming out of his room. <laughs> so <you're finding, laughs> falling out of his room. <laughs> so you're, yeah, she trips again. So you find that, you know, Henry Burton gets the idea and nobody cares, by the way. No. They all know that this guy's got a zipper problem. I've got, <laughs> got zipper in quotes because they use that at the beginning yeah. of uh, the front runner as well. Carrie Hart has mm-hmm. a zipper problem. Yeah. So, you know, the implication is Henry Burton is a true believer. You get that from the start. Mm-hmm. Jack Burton, Jack, I'm sorry, Jack Stanton uh, is a womanizer, a, a womanizer, <laughs> but also sincere in his desire Something. to accomplish things. Stuff? 
help people? <laughs> yeah. We know. should probably talk. We'll talk about the politics of these movies, I think, a little later. But I, I, it's both this and The Front Runner and so many of these political movies don't even bother to go into like, yeah, but what Jack Sandin is very, he's early on described like he's this really honest, passionate guy who really cares about the issues, like adult literacy and other politics. And they I mean, never... Well, the other but to be is, fair, like, I don't know if you can make an interesting movie about policy, you know, like. What about the the Ides of March tried? <laughs> it but, tried. But we didn't like that either, you guys. <laughs> but it is hard for me to understand. Like, for me, that is a disconnect I have with the movie is just that it's like, this guy really cares about the issues. But like, what is his thing? Like, they could give us anything. I don't know. Is he? I mean, he's he was for like job retraining. That's for, true. In New Hampshire, we in the uh, in the book, what? he talks about Head Start quite a bit. He's really into Head Start. So yeah, okay. I just think that the movie just did a poor job of. Yeah, I really wish they at least like threw us a bone of like, why do people like him so much? What is the thing that he's like so passionate about? Well, well the, the problem is that they have this surrogate for the audience who is henry's character yeah and so he just falls for the like nobility of right. this candidate but he doesn't earn it in my mind yeah, he's like never shown so any nobility. we're supposed to feel the same way like oh well he's he's been transformed and has he decided cries. to come aboard even though he was so adamant that he wasn't going to be part well, of the campaign I mean, at the beginning part of it is i mean so from a a citizen's perspective we don't see all the crappy stuff unless the newspapers unless it unless it's let out right so a Jack Burton, Jack Burton, why do I keep calling him that? <laughs> a Jack Stanton speech, if it's really good, could potentially win you over. Yeah. So I think, I mean, we shouldn't have to think about it that hard while no. watching a movie. Yeah. But Henry Burton is us. Right. And so he can be won over by a speech. What complicates that is he does know all the background garbage. So why, how can you be won over by, that implies that. It, that there's this whole group of people pushing, you know, candidates that that all agree, and this is this is part of the Gary Hart story too, but they all agree the journalists and the camp, the people running the campaigns, you know, the John Carvels mm-hmm. or whatever, the George Stephanopoulos's, they see that these people have extremely flawed characters and are willing to risk their whole careers and the careers of lots of other people to get their kicks. Mm-hmm. But because their policies are the ones we like, we should vote for them anyway. And they're going to work really hard to make sure we think they're good people. Mm -hmm. I mean, the movie's explicit about this. Like in the second, very next scene after this, Henry has a confrontation with, I think it's supposed to be his girlfriend. Their relationship's a little unclear. Right. She works for a radical newspaper of some kind. And she's also one of the conflicts in the movie that is introduced and then quickly disappears. She also is not a character from the book. Her one purpose in the movie is to ask about what happened in 1968. Yeah, to set that plot line in motion and then she Which happens in the book, but it's just like a reporter asks him Mm -hmm. during a press conference or something. It feels like she gets edited out of the movie and there were other scenes. But the only reason I bring that up is the scene she goes to Henry... And Henry's like, hey, I think this guy might be the real deal. And she's like, well, what about this black candidate? Isn't he the real deal? And he's like, well, nah, I mean, he might do some stuff for our community, but Jack Stanton's the real guy. And it's like, how do you feel about it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) What was the thing that he's going to do? Yeah, we're just supposed to take his word for it. Like, oh, well, if he was convinced, then I guess I am too. But Was it adult literacy? But yeah, there's literally <laughs> nothing that we see that ha- should have earned that adoration at that point. Well, and also if you hold in your mind at the same time what Bill Clinton, if that 
if this character really does represent him, <laughs> did as president, it was not great. Yeah. Are you talking about our first black president that way? <laughs> yeah. No. no, I'm talking about Bill Clinton. Yeah, our first black president. Right. Oh, that's there right. was him, then yeah. Obama, then Trump, our yeah. three black presidents. No one has done more. Yeah. <gasps> He's, I'm so sad that Jack Stratton never plays the saxophone or the tuba no, or he plays sings the guitar. A bit. Yeah. Uh, I should point out that this book, the book was compared to uh, recently to O. Let's see, what is that book called? O, a presidential, a presidential novel, which is what? was anonymously published book about Obama's uh, campaign. Wow, I've never heard of that. Yeah. I've never have either. The other thing it was compared to when it was published was All the King's Men. Okay, mm. and when I first started listening to it. I totally got an All the King's Men vibe, but then this movie goes... Off the rails? Yeah, it goes off the rails. <laughs> yeah, so it really pretty, goes pretty off the rails. Pretty quickly. Not the movie. The book and the movie go yeah. off the rails. The book goes off the rails even more because they left out some of the... Uh, what's the word? <laughs> scandals. Yeah. There were a few scandals that they did not include. I was surprised by some that they did and how they picked and choose which <laughs> scandals to, to uh-huh. stick with. Has there ever been a parody movie of this genre of movies? Of the All the King's Men type what scenario? Was the... Bullworth? Is that the one with? Yeah, um, but I felt like that was a little, even still was a little bit uh, honest. Wag the, wag the dog, maybe? Okay. But even that, I feel like they take it seriously in the movie. Sure. And they're not but cracking I mean, jokes. Comedy. There's not like yeah. scary movie sort of parody. If yeah, that's, that's kind of like, is there ever been like a parody of this genre movie where it's like straight up parody and not like, uh, it's goofy, I, I, but, it's, would it be but it's cutting. Funny? Why not Bob know. Roberts? How is that not? That's the closest I can think of. But even that, they try to make I mean that because the main plot line is like, but this guy's really evil. He's bad. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a person who's like potentially murdered in that movie. Um, I feel like since I mentioned all the Kingsmen, should mention also that there are definitely references to it. So we've got Henry Burton, who is the narrator of mm-hmm. Primary Colors. The narrator of All the Kingsmen is a character named Jack Burton, same uh, sort of the same last name, but Jack the sled. in All the Kingsmen. <laughs> Jack Burden is in love with Anne Stanton. Oh my gosh. He's their child. Primary colors. (laughs) Main character is Jack Stanton, a combination of those two names. Uh, Okay. But this book is not as good as All the King's Men because All the King's Men was written by a poet laureate and that language (laughs) is extraordinarily beautiful. Even if you overlook the racism, (laughs) the overt racism because of the time we No thanks. Hard pass. (laughs) Uh, Henry does have a confrontation with his girlfriend, but, no, but he's wait such a, minute. a true that, believer. I mean, they're both, they both have racism. I'm yes. just saying one has beautiful language. Oh, yeah. And I'm just saying, I don't really want to look, overlook <laughs> the racism. I'm good. No, sure. <laughs> Doesn't right. sound that great. I've seen the movie. What more do I need? <laughs> You've seen two of the movies. Yeah. You've seen two All the King's Men. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. So he's running for president and... Henry's on board. He's going to meet the, uh... The goofballs. Who oh, are then they campaign. they go to barbecue. That oh, that happens yeah. very early on. They this go to well, first. They set point. up the campaign office. Is that where they go? And he's yelling, and she says it's four o'clock. And, and his wife Susan says it's four o'clock in the morning. This isn't how you want to meet. He's <laughs> yelling at Henry. No, no, this is. Henry becomes the campaign manager. Henry becomes so he the goes campaign and he manager. Meets they, all the volunteers. They set up like all, yeah. Exactly. Right, right, got right. No, all his volunteers are d- old people who can't use any technology, and yeah, he has and to basically like. 
educate them on really basic things like print out flyers and they're like and then what and he's like and then hand them out like they're just really that stupid which is the thing that that sound that jacob just made is basically the same sound that the character made yes that's right it's it's so silly to me because this isn't a brand new candidate like he is governor he (laughs) he should have a functioning campaign office somewhere that had had previous volunteers and things like that so None of that made any sense to me. Also, we don't know what state he's from. No, he's, he's just governor a of southern state. It's important it's a southern state, <laughs> but they don't say what state. I think it is important. We do. There are two important volunteers. There is the Jewish guy who speaks Hebrew, who becomes the Jewish guy. And there's the pretty Winona Ryder. And there's the pretty Winona Ryder esque lady who seems probably the most competent. Mm-hmm. They come back again. Both of them come back again later. Mm-hmm. That is accurate. <laughs> and then... We also meet Daisy. Daisy, they don't more They don't do much with uh, oh, yeah. Daisy's character. Actually, she's part. She's one of the main staff. Yeah. In the book, she produces uh, television ads. You know, she's like part of the advertising okay. arm. Yes. But she doesn't do anything at all in the movie. I mean, they sort of allude to her doing that because they talk about her being the one to pull the ads later. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's this. I think the barbecue scene happens next. But they wait. Mm-hmm. Then the scene after that, they go. We're seeing the campaign headquarters again, and then Jack Stanton pulls up in the truck with James right. Schmarville. No, I remember. So they're <laughs> Billy at, Bob. I remember now. They're at barbecue with Billy Bob, who is the Carville character, because he gets drunk and yells about his mama. Oh, well, then he must be in- introduced. He's introduced in the truck with yes. Jack Stanton outside the campaign. and he says something derogatory about the Winona Ryder volunteer. Yes, he... and he's, they're like, how's it going? And He's like, it's going great. These huh. volunteers are cool. Yeah. And he's like, that guy's a schmuck. And then they go to a barbecue together. <laughs> they go to a barbecue at his friend's barbecue. And his Big name Willie. is, oh yeah, Big Willie. Mm-hmm. And his family is there. And you see his young daughter who's working in the kitchen. And uh-huh. there's some eye, mo- eye stuff, eye contact stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dramatic looks. Uh, she see- The young woman in the kitchen sees Governor Stanton and looks sad. Governor Stanton gives her a brief wave, but doesn't look at her really. No, he basically ignores her for like, the majority of the movie. He, but actively ignores, not, yes. <laughs> not yes. passively. So you know there's something going on there. Then they sit down and they eat barbecue with his good, good buddy, Big Willie. Mm-hmm. Big Willie. Because again, he is for the black people. Oh my lord, James that Marvel or whatever his name's supposed to be in this. Yeah, Billy whatever. Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton character. Racist Southern dude. Who I think you're supposed to like. Buddy or something? I can't remember his it's name. It's hard to say. I, the, I, I, wait, did you think you're supposed to like him? Is that what you said? I think so, because by no. the end, they're like palling around. Henry's palling around with him by the end. I think that's supposed to show like how far Henry has fallen in terms of you like. So? Oh, yeah, I think that's both are true, actually. I think I, they're trying to, they were trying to make him, like he's he's a tough talking dude, but like. He's gross from the very beginning. Oh, he's very gross from the beginning, but I think the movies tries to. No, because Henry, Henry even yells at him. Like, one of the things we're introduced to is him talking about a snake in his pants yeah. to the Winona Ryder character and literally, like, unzips it and pulls his penis out. Yeah. And then she's quippy with her retort back, and he starts yelling at him, like... But he's never punished for any of his behavior. That? No, and no. Henry's and like, That's a problem okay. with the movie and the campaign. They hug and leave at the by end. By the way, she's a lesbian, so... <laughs> yes. That's why oh, she didn't yeah, like the fine. snake. <laughs> but, but I don't think... I don't think the movie's cynical enough that we're supposed to like him or his character. His character oh, doesn't do anything so. good. He is likable in the book, and he's exactly like James Carville in the book. But I don't... Did James Carville do that? Probably. Like, is he known uh, well, to be, Well, I have be no like, way of knowing. 
I, I think that the movie a, he, wants you to like him more. He's supposed to be like a rotten guy, but you know, he gets results. Yeah, he's like a Trump character. Like he just says whatever. And but none of the advice he gave or anything he actually did in the movie was beneficial to the campaign. So I don't know. No. He's not even heroic, even but like, none in a of minor them did way. anything. Good. Like that's true. Libby's the only person who ever actually accomplishes anything. Yeah. Yes. Even but Henry Libby, is Libby useless. hasn't arrived yet. So let's get over this. Oh, right. Okay, right, right. So <laughs> they have they, a barbecue. They have a barbecue, which Can is we very bad. Can describe the bad? <laughs> I don't know if I even want to. Just trust us. It's Billy Bob gets drunk and sad. And then that is Mama. Big Willie and Big Willie's wife start singing Go Talent on the Mountain, I want to say. They kind of start singing that and... Um... Uh, the governor. Uh, they all. His they wife all... also sings. I think Amazing Grace for a couple bars. Too. Oh my lord! Yeah, it's really bad and racist. Yes, they all much. hug, and then the governor sings, and then they all sing, and it's great. And, Henry's and then like, so some stuff happens plot wise that is so it, that is either I got up and left or <laughs> they just didn't really make it explicit enough. But they get a phone call from I think his his name is Ozio. He's mm-hmm. the I'm gonna say Andrew Cuomo, but it could be the other one. There's two Cuomos. Yeah. In in history this was such an unnecessary convoluted storyline that could have been cut from a movie that was oh, too yeah. long i don't know like there's another conflict that's raised and then <laughs> smushed right so ozio calls and says something no his son calls oh so i don't know i there's a mario Cu- oh it's on un- andrew, andrew cuomo is the son i think mario cuomo is the dad and they were both governor or mayor or whatever of some part of new york yeah i think it's governor <laughs> yeah i think it might be isn't one of them governor now? I yeah. don't know. Um, anyway, so the son calls and says, my dad's, you know, you want my dad to endorse you or something. And so then the Clinton character, Jack Stanton, says, well, I'm going to be at a cocktail party at this hotel. And then the son says, oh, well, my dad's giving a speech there that same day, which makes the Jack Stanton character lose his mind. And that's why he's so angry mm-hmm. at Henry. Because he feels like he should have known, and he looks like a amateur. A, yeah, yeah, an amateur because he didn't know that guy was giving a. He throws much... his phone out the window. And well, because yeah, yeah in his mind, he's like, "Well, now I'm the opening act for this guy who might be running against me," mm-hmm. and it just sort of makes me look weak, small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why he's yelling at four o'clock in the morning, and his wife matter. is saying, he "Well, is... he's also yelling at four o'clock in the morning because the hotel has no cable." Right, mm-hmm. and he needs his. <laughs> he needs CNN. C-SPAN. He needs C-SPAN. I think he says CNN. He said C-SPAN. <gasps> I expected him to say CNN, but then I remembered. Well, who watches oh, C-SPAN? C-SPAN. Well, it's the eighty. It's the nineties. I'm pretty sure because C-SPAN's not on cable like in a hotel though. I think yeah. he says CNN. Mm, yes. we, we we can Let's rewatch go it. Let's we'll it in. Podcast. <laughs> Which one of those two would broadcast <laughs> government stuff twenty four seven? But he's not interested in the government stuff. Yeah, he's, he's interested, interested in, in, his in the race. in the yeah in the like what the press is saying. All right, <laughs> you go back and watch it. I don't know. I'm just saying, <laughs> CNN makes more sense. <laughs> Okay, well, he wants to watch TV, yeah. and he can't. Like our president And it's important now. that he be able to, you know, mm-hmm. see what's going on. Yep. But he can't. He's mad, and he throws his phone out the window, and then they have to go find it. Yeah, then they have to find the phone. That's before he yells about C-SPAN or CNN, whichever one it is. Well, this is where we're introduced to his, Jack Stanton's wife. Susan. Susan Stanton. Oh, my God. I wouldn't remember her first name if you, like, gave me $100 Hillary. right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ha- she's tough. And I think we should also mention that... Uh, John Travolta, who plays Jack Stanton, is 100% doing a Bill Clinton yes. impression. 100%. Whereas 
Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, who plays Susan Stanton, is just playing a character. But she is dressed up like Hillary Clinton. But she didn't mm. do the costuming. She, no, yeah, but she's not doing a character. Or, she's or... being a guy's wife. She's being the governor's wife. She's being the tough one in that relationship, I think is what the movie tries to convey. Well, I think it is that she is the beleaguered wife and yep. has been forever. Mm-hmm. And she knows her part, the part she is supposed to play. She occasionally gets angry, but she never says, I'm done with you. And she also never actually acts on that anger in the movie. Uh, she just is pissed sometimes. In the book, kind of what happens is he start he, you know, in one of the downtimes, she takes control of the campaign. Mm-hmm. And so she does have a strong part to play. Yeah, not in the movie. Not in the movie. In the movie, she's just the governor's wife who is there a lot and never... And she then her, advice. and she brings in her friend Lucille that yeah. is, I guess, supposed to be obnoxious, but she's not really played that no, way. No, she's, she's reasonable. <laughs> yeah, she's just more like, hey, I'm the friend of the person who you just keep hurting. Yeah, that's about it. And she also doesn't really have a part to play in this movie. So, I mean, I think on, in broad strokes, we can say there are they keep having a scandal. Yeah, that they why don't we just somehow, list the scandals that they are able to overcome? Yeah, in true bad movie fashion. I think the first scandal, isn't it Cashmere? No, the first scandal is the did you get arrested in 1968? Mm-hmm. Oh, that you... was before Cashmere. Yeah, and did you cover it? Because that's Because that's what the Henry's girlfriend un- uncovers. And then the Cashmere comes out, and that's why they're saying, we don't know how to deal with these because they're both attacking us at the same time. At the same we time. gotta get Libby And I can't in. remember Cashmere's last name for some reason. Cashmere <laughs> um, is the equivalent of a jennifer flowers character so jennifer flowers is a woman who claimed she had a 12-year affair with mm-hmm. bill clinton she's um, the hairdresser of stanton's wife in this uh, movie yeah cashmere is uh susan stanton's was at was or is susan stanton's hairdresser we need to talk about libby because she's a right key part. she's introduced to but investigate cashmere. but libby oh okay. that's why she comes in right, yeah right, right. so yes. libby is paid played by kathy bates she is probably the most appealing character oh, in the movie. Oh, a thousand percent. Yep. Oh, wait, I do want to mention one quick scene, which is the reason that Libby gets pulled in is they are concerned. The campaign, including Henry, is concerned about... There's three members of the campaign. There's Henry, it's Billy Bob Thornton's character, his name I can't remember. There's Mara Tiernan's character. Daisy. Daisy. Henry, Daisy, and... Billy Bob. Billy Bob. They find out that there might be this affair. They also are sure that uh, Jack Stan has had lots of affairs. and they're Because like, they have watched him. <laughs> yes. And they are now the front runners, most likely. So they're like, well, this stuff's going to come out. We need to get ahead of it. What would be the best thing to do? And they're like, well, we should talk to Jack Stanton's wife. And they talk to his wife and kind of have trouble. But they eventually get around to being like, if there's anything, we need to find out what's what his dirt is. And so... Jack Stanton's wife, whose name I keep... Susan. Susan says, <laughs> well, you need to get Libby. She... And they're like, well, wasn't she in a mental hospital? And he's like, she's been clean for 18 months. She's the person I want. She's the person I trust. Go get her. Yeah, right. because what she wants is a friend to investigate them. Yes. Because if she finds out anything, at least they know she'll keep it to herself. And I don't know if this is how it worked out in the book, but in the movie, she was working on a campaign for a for Governor Picker. Mm-hmm. who was going to make a run for president in the 70s and then one day went to a press conference where he was they thought he was going to announce his presidency and instead he said i'm not running for president or anything yes i am done with politics uh now 
goodbye. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that is very important later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and which that is, is strange. that is the point at which Libby has her breakdown. She goes she goes to a mental hospital for a while and then, you know, reco- is recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they call her back into the Jack Stanton campaign to investigate Cashmere. she's a lesbian. And she's yeah, a cowboy true. hat wearing straight shooter. And she just tells it how it busting. is. And and she, she when does. she comes in, she says, I want that intern. I want the Winona writer. <laughs> I want Winona writer to be working for me. And then like in the very next scene, you see they're sleeping. They're having yeah. a house time together. Yes. <laughs> you don't Having see, a house time together. You never see them sleeping together. You they see them do kiss, kiss once. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, so, you know, Libby's a lesbian. She's played by Kathy Bates. She's delightful. Mm-hmm. She is another one of those amalgamation of mm-hmm. characters. I mean, this movie really... It trucks in stereotypes to replace character development because yeah. they have so many. Partly because I think they have so many characters that they don't e- they don't have the time to weigh in, and also because I just don't think the movie's got the writing I mean, for it. A regular woman who's straight wouldn't be that tough, you guys. Yeah, right. It regular... has to be a feminazi. I, I guess it does give lesbian. her an excuse to wield a gun, exactly, and, <laughs> and she's crazy and threaten right. a man's penis. Because yeah. no straight woman would do that. And only she's a, explicit about only that, Only a gay too. lesbian yes. would do that. <laughs> she says she's a gay lesbian. Yeah. I mean, this movie uh, uses stereotypes in place of backstories. But I, I think like. it's important to note that she, that line came right out of the book. She totally <laughs> said she was a gay lesbian in the book. And it's like, who the guy who wrote this book doesn't know what a gay person <laughs> or a lesbian is. No, if you didn't talk to anybody, Kathy Bates really does her best. That's that's yes. the yes. I mean, she still here. manages. She manages to overcome this movie. Yeah, the only one I think. I liked Henry. No, Henry's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. I, I like mean, Henry too, but he has very little character. He is a Maria Tierney was fine, but she also has very little. little I mean, he, his role in the movie is to narrate the movie. Yes, and he does that admirably. He does that admirably. He is. He is somewhat frustrated by the end of the movie. Right. The one scene that, that's we, about it. that he was in that was super weak, and I won't tell you why this happens, is the vomiting scene where it's like, oh, yeah. I, I don't buy it. I didn't buy that. Yeah. I, you didn't show me why that why No, because he was weird and smiley, and I was upset that he even agreed to it. Yeah. yeah but we're not like, there uh, yet. No. Because that's a really important <laughs> But anyways, Libby's introduced. She is the most important character, honestly. She has the most agency of anybody, including Jack Stanton. She drives all of the plot. I mean, yeah. she's basically God because she knows mm-hmm. everything, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. She knows. She knows. Uh, and she's so moral. And- I mean, she comes in and says. Here's everything going on. You know, she immediately uncovers every scandal. Oh, like, I boom, boom, boom. I almost feel like they didn't know who Cashmere was until she came in and said it's Cashmere. Yeah, or whatever. And you know, she's like, like the hairdresser, and they're like, the hair. Henry's like the hairdresser. She's like, she's like back off. Pal. That's only one thing. <laughs> There's a lot more where that came from. But then we find out that the hairdresser has fabricated her evidence. We don't know if she fabricated the affair, but she definitely fabricated yeah. her uh, evidence. Well, it's so more, that goes away. It's more like she is a. She's being used by some machine the flash yeah the, flash. the national inquiry <laughs> the, the reverse flash <laughs> yes so she's being paid by the flash also known as the national inquiry <laughs> to uh go along with this and they have uh pulled some telephone conversations out of the air oh, here's another thing that the movie didn't do very well like in the book in the book there's a scene where henry and I, I thought it was New Year's Eve, but maybe it was a different time period or different holiday or whatever. In the movie, it's Thanksgiving. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like New Year's Eve and him and Daisy, uh, Henry Burton gets a call from the governor and the governor says, 
do you think it would be possible for you to get laid so you know can you know just be relaxed <laughs> relaxed yeah and he hooks up with Davey, daisy that night and that's when their relationship starts uh. in and you hear their you see their conversation and then later when you hear those same words on the tape you recognize you it. go like oh aha that's right that I mean, was their conversation not a conversation with Jack Burton. I and could just some lady. hear the audio and know <laughs> that it was two different conversations. Right. It's yeah. also they make it very clear in the audio of the movie that the audio has been tampered with. Yeah. And then they confirm it. Libby's like, "Aha!" But we can't. I mean, so what if we know it? We have to be able to prove it. So she gets a gun and threatens the goes attorney. With, goes with Jack Burton to the attorney. No, who's... to the guy Henry who made Burton. the recording. He works for the Flash. Yeah, who's the but attorney? He's a lawyer. He is also a lawyer, which is weird. Uh, yeah, and so she threatens to throw off, his, uh, shoot off his penis because she's a gay lesbian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very important. Uh, and so he writes a letter, sign, writes and signs a letter that says, "This is all made up." Yeah. And then Daisy and, goes. And on, I, I have to confess because otherwise the American people would be deprived of this great man. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then as, da- as all confessions are wont to yeah. do. And then Daisy goes on to be with. Oh, was it like? Oh, because yeah. he has a re- they have a right. recording of like. So then King. they also go to their recording wizard, sure. and <laughs> some guy. and Kathy Bates says, "Can you get some recording of Larry King and Tom?" Tom Brokaw? It wasn't Tom Brokaw. No, he said, "Yeah, she says follow two of them." I think, it, and yeah. then like, she was like, "Whichever one is better Jim is the Acosta, one we'll use." Maybe? No, or no. I, was that? That's right that's recent news <laughs> well, anyway, in your brain. It, it turns out to be Larry King in the book. It's somebody else. I'm virtually yeah. certain, um, but it is a real. He uses a real. Uh, newscaster in the book mm-hmm. but it's just not larry king larry king shows up in the book later doing something else <laughs> <laughs> Good but anyway so we see she goes on tv with larry king and then they play a recording that has larry king's voice and some lady's voice mm-hmm. doing some hot talk except yeah. it turns out it was just larry king ordering oh asking if he could get an early table right and so that is to prove that Jack <laughs> that Jack Stanton didn't do whatever Cashmere said, and they're all liars, and so and they also, can't be believed. Doesn't the press really owe poor Jack Stanton mm-hmm. an, apology? an apology? They right. do. So, <laughs> so that's scandal number two. And then there's a so, yeah. huge party. They all throw a giant party, but they did it. They won. Right, but then in the next scene, they're sad again. Yeah, they're because they sure might. Why. Well, they lose. have a giant party. Then mm-hmm. there's a scene of no, no. Then yeah, then he goes to New he's, Hampshire for the rally. Yeah, oh, he's right. so sick, but he's giving a speech to the union. Or he's whatever, really, really bonding with retraining. these fish cannery people. Yeah. No, I don't think it's a fish cannery, but one of them gives him a fish. Some there there's is, some yeah. some kind there's of actual fish. like. It's a blue shut, collar. It's a job. shutdown factory, and all the old, on all the previous the people who used to work there. Mm-hmm. And he's giving them a speech about how they all have to learn to use their brains. Yeah, get learn code or whatever. <laughs> right, that thing, that thing that our government. And he's does. very sick. He's <laughs> sick in this. In he's that got a scene. cold. I mean, he's got a minor cold. It's really weird. <laughs> what is going on? I know it doesn't come up. I think they must have filmed like a hundred hours of I movie. I think so because in the book he does get very sick. And has to stop campaigning for a while because he's very, very sick. That doesn't happen in the movie. Literally, you just see one scene of him coughing and giving a speech. So <laughs> no, I mean, the only thing that happens here is, once again, they go on this unearned roller coaster of emotion. Right. Where they're super happy because he clearly, like, 
he resonated with that, with that speech, but then he's obviously going to lose the primary anyway. And it's and in then a he, specific place. It's New Hampshire. And then he comes in second, and they're ecstatic about it. Yay! It so I weird. can't believe we got second. Woo, we just barely made it. We're like, what? And literally none of that needed to be in the movie. The whole New Hampshire thing could have been cut. <laughs> Nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything to the movie. But you have to have the Jennifer Flowers scandal. That's fine. But, like, <laughs> the New Hampshire stuff, like, him giving that speech, him, like, is he going to win the primary? Is he going to lose it? Like, none of that has anything to do. Uh-uh with the movie <laughs> like it's just there yeah. um there's a lot of talk and it's so hard to i can't even really place them you know if they had skipped directly from them triumphing over cashmere to him not doing well in new hampshire if they just cut out the speech to the factory workers it would have made more except sense. he did yeah. do well in new hampshire he came in second which was blew out their expectations right, so they thought expected. he was gonna lose yeah so it's weird again yeah. totally unnecessary uh, at some point around here, we learn, like in every single one of these political movies you've ever seen, he is not going to do a negative advertising. He's not going to run a negative campaign nope. because that is morally wrong and we're not going to do it. No. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Which is sort of also the key to the whole movie when you come to the end yes. of the movie. Yeah. That's well, that's the why they hammer it like on. 12 times in this movie. Right. So he's not going to do negative ads. Somebody mm-hmm. suggests it. Yeah. Probably Billy Bob. But they eventually, everybody suggests it. Oh, but they suggest it right after whoever is his. He goes, he goes through a number of people he's campaigning against and they mm-hmm. keep dropping out. <laughs> and so there's whoever the one, you know, the camp, the guy of the day. Senator um, Harris. He yes. Senator Harris. He, they are watching a negative ad that he's giving that is pertaining to. And we never. He's have, a draft we, dodger. Right. We haven't resolved Jack Stanton's uh, 1968 arrest issue right. yet we don't know what the story is because the sex scandal broke and that was more yeah. exciting uh but the ad is about how unpatriotic jack stanton is mm-hmm. basically and then yes. at the end of it they turn it off and he goes i'm not gonna do that i'm not yes. gonna do negative ads i think at this point jack stanton goes to florida to go because he gives he has a talk with some older folks about right well yeah. see, the thing is he does do negative campaigning oh yeah immediately it, when he goes to florida basically he uses harrison's policies to convince all the old Jewish people mm-hmm. that the policies are not in their interest, and especially because he doesn't support Israel. But what's interesting, yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about his foreign policy, but it seemed like the things he was trying to scare all these old people with weren't necessarily lies. He just originally wasn't going to talk negatively mm-hmm. about the other <laughs> yeah. candidates, and now he was. That was like sort of his emphasis. Yeah, right. that's about for the things. turn. Right. So, that was, well, that so was he's still he, not a bad guy. He's, still he's not lying. Right. <laughs> so that's I know. the key to this whole story. Uh, he goes talks on a radio to these show. Old folks. Then he goes on a radio show with Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner, which is great. <laughs> and there's a call in from. Wait, what was the name of the radio show? Schmoo- schmoozing with the Jews or something like yeah, that? I mean, I basically, could have been. I think it was. It did have the word schmooze in it for sure, 100%. Uh, it's a real Jewy show, guys. Like, yeah. the, the whole point is he's all every little, literally everything he references in that thing is like his opponent stereotypes. <laughs> yep, it's just one stereotype after another. His opponent, Governor Harris, somebody Harris, Senator Senator Harris, calls in to be like, "You've been saying all these lies about me and Medicare," and, and then he starts coughing and hangs up. <laughs> uh, and Jack Stanton's like, "Well, on page three of your book, you say you are." 
questioning social security. And he's like, ah, I, uh, I gotta go. Clicking. <laughs> Click. And then he hangs up and has a massive heart attack. <laughs> yeah, and goes into a coma. <laughs> well, first they're too busy celebrating how, like, Whee! he put him in his place. And... Eat that. Right. Well, while they're celebrating how well he did it, then they get a phone call. No, they see them... it on the news. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That he had two heart attacks. <laughs> Surprise, he's dead. No, he's in no, a coma. He's in a coma. And then things like, get oh. really weird. Yeah, this is where the movie takes the turn from, like, silly but silly to just <laughs> off the rails movie has entirely. too much stuff. It's, this is the point where Larry Hagman, playing... Not JR. <laughs> previous Governor Picker, the same person that uh, Libby, Libby backed Libby. out of mm-hmm. the camp, you know, stopped being a politician in the 70s. Harrison's wife asks him to take Harrison's place in the, on the campaign trail and push Harrison's agenda. Mm-hmm. As a candidate, although he hasn't actually announced that no, he's, he's running for president No, he's just sort of supposed yet. to be a surrogate. And then because he gets such a good reception, he then decides to say, like, yes, I will be a candidate. Right. So he he shows up and he says, I'm going to campaign for Harris. I'm going to be his surrogate. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think what's important is that I go give blood. And Everybody so he goes, blood. goes down to the, the hospital and gives blood. <laughs> Which is funny because I think you pointed out that like... That's nothing to do with well, a coma. He's in a coma. What's that going to do? Yeah, yeah, he had a heart attack <laughs> and he's going pour it on him? <laughs> uh, I think at this point, Big Willie shows back up. But wait a minute. You should give blood. Oh, you well, should. Yes, well, yes. okay. Just not some the guy people in the shouldn't coma. give blood. I used to give blood, and I don't give blood anymore. <laughs> Vampires. Um. Yeah, but blood no. comes up again later. But you should definitely give blood. Oh, everything comes up again later. Right. So Willie shows sh- up. Big Willie shows up. He goes directly to Henry Burton because mm-hmm. he's black, and yes. says. Uh, my daughter's pregnant, and she says it's Jack Stanton's. Dun, dun, and dun. I, as a father, am totally cool with this because we're buds. Yeah. I just need him to come and talk to my daughter. And, like, let's cool. sort this out. Yeah, let's right. just smooth things over. I don't even know what Big Willie's character is supposed to be. I guess it's just a stereotype. It yeah. doesn't I even know it's a stereotype. It's just nothing. He's just a black guy who is the friend. He has no character at all. He has no. He's right. just another. And he doesn't obstacle. react to anything. No. No, he has no character traits whatsoever. I think he's a stereotype. Well, yeah, like he's supposed to like show the you know bona fides of. Yeah, he's a he's a, <laughs> Jack Stanton. Jack Stanton has a black because he has friend. a black friend, right? <laughs> and then also he has no actual personality because if someone slept with your teenage daughter, <laughs> like hey, whatever, you're not man, cool with this. Yeah, come see, come saw is his life motto. Ugh. And then they sort of like imply later that, by the way, your daughter might also be a slut, might not be his. Yeah, who knows? And he doesn't react at all. Like, huh. like ugh. whatever. Uh, Henry's conflicted, um, and he talks to. He, don't, he goes to the governor immediately. Well, not the next time he's near the governor, he says, "Where's the governor?" And they have a chat. And the governor's like, "Go take what's his face." This character has been in the background for a bunch of scenes, but doesn't right. really the have guy a character. from CSI. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, "Well, you go down and he's talk a bad to... guy." Yes, he's, he's a fixer. The, you go talk to Willie, and he's like, you, Henry's like, do you want me to talk to him because he's black? He's like, no, no, no. You want to talk to him because he talked to you. <laughs> uh, why don't you go down there and fix this up? And they I go. I want you to get, she's, does he talk about amniocentesis? No, sentences? he does not. That comes from no. the fixer. I mean, I'm sure he probably yeah. did. I don't think it was blindsiding him. In the book, he literally says, this is what I want you to do. Yeah. It, it do is it. definitely the governor who says, I want you to do this. I want you to describe to him the procedure. Because yeah. in the book, he thinks that Willie won't go for it because of the needle. Yeah. Yeah. But Willie doesn't care. Willie don't, <laughs> Willie don't <laughs> care. Yeah, does Willie care. doesn't care about anything. Uh, so they go, Henry and what's-his-face, 
they sit down with Willie and they're like briefcase briefcase guy. Yeah, briefcase guy. I thought the briefcase was going to be full, be full of money. money, right? But he pops it open and it's it's a form. It's one folder. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, so here's the plan. Of course, we're really care about your daughter." Can she get an omniocentesis? And also make sure you tell them it's for health reasons, but really want to do a paternity test. And Willie's like, oh, here's here's another thing they left out, which makes the omniocentesis (laughs) even worse. Daisy points out to Henry when she finds out about this, that there is a much simpler test they could do that is not risky. Right. To get the paternity of the child. But yeah, these, as we discussed during the movie, these tests can lead to miscarriage. So yeah, that's probably why they were pushing for it um so but what's interesting is that henry is clearly complicit in this and you can tell because the guy who by the way his only reason to be there is to present this material to willie and he doesn't have a pen doesn't have a pen (laughs) henry does very pointedly does not have a pen Mm -hmm. he's clearly complete like it was such a heavy-handed like (laughs) demonstration of uh, Henry's sweaty but smiley throughout this meeting. So he doesn't creepy, say anything. Creepy smiley. Uh, they get a signature. They have to pull over because Henry has to throw up. He's so upset, I guess. So yes. guilty. But he didn't look guilty. No. No. It's just not a well done scene. Mm-mm. No. And then the movie just moves on because for whatever reason, they're like, well, we'll get those results later. <laughs> It'll be a while. Yeah. And Jack doesn't seem concerned about this at all. No. And, you know, he's he sure Millie's the blood cool. test will show that he's not the father. Oh, and we find out why later, but right. we don't know why in the moment. <laughs> no. There's, oh man, this raises so many questions for me, but yeah, they move on. Um, and the movie moves on. Then we're thinking, well, what's up with Picker? Cause now he's gaining in the polls. He's such a good guy. Right. Picker is very sincere. He, they go on TV and they, and they're, having a conversation to get with like, Geraldo. They're being interviewed. <laughs> Picker and Stanton are being interviewed by Geraldo. Stanton makes some points and Picker's like, Hey, those are good points. I really That's like what great. you're saying right now, which well, nobody can believe. I think also wasn't Stanton saying something that wasn't great. And Picker just cut him off and sort yes. of saved him. Right. He saved and they're him. like, who does that? Who helps the other candidate? Like He's such a good guy. Or something. Yeah. Right. Right. Murmur, murmur. So <laughs> basically they're making Picker out to be Even the real better. deal. Yeah. An actual sincere good person. Now that we know that Stanton sucks, now Picker's cool. Picker is the impossible thing. The politician who is actually a good person who Mm -hmm. wants to do what's good for the country. Right. Uh, I think at this point, then they have the conversation with Libby. I don't think he's a surrogate for any real human being. (laughs) (laughs) By the way. Uh, and the Stantons, both Susan and Jack, are like, Libby, you need to find out what's up with Picker. Why did he quit that campaign? Why did he quit? We know there's some dirt out there. And she's like, I don't want to do this. My job is to do background on you. He keeps talking about dust busting. And I never really understand what she means by that. Uh, yeah. Keep keeping you clean. Right. She, yeah, she's not supposed to kick up dirt on other people. Right. She's supposed to clean up the dirt on you. Is- um, I'm assuming the metaphor. And they try and, and they convince her, which is basically like, well, he could be the president or it well, comes no, I out think later. They, or... Yeah, they sort of guilt her and they're like, but what if he is a bad guy? Don't you want to like, know? We should, for the, for the, you know, good of the people, we and should know. Did they have a tidbit? Like, yes. they had something about the real estate Yes, thing. they, she does, she knows a little bit like, oh, there was this thing with the real estate thing, whatever. And they're like, okay, well, start there. Yeah. Go to Florida. Which Florida. they go to Florida. They Again, go to Miami. Miami. They go back to Florida. Florida. They go to Miami. There's a sort of a weird hotel that they're at. And yeah. I looked at it and I said, I think some gay guys. I think they are supposed to be gay guys. But it's... In the book, 
it's explicitly gay and they're like wearing animal costumes and i'm not lying <laughs> they're furries they're they're it's like the shining a, they hotel. go to this hotel they're having a party there's guys dressed up in i can't it was a specific animal <laughs> Who are like the servers potentially. And he makes some comment about diversity because they were all different colored animals. Oh my God. I'm not. uh, Yeah. I don't. Don't read primary colors. No. Don't watch the movie. Yeah. Just skip the movie Don't Just forget it exists as a book. We'll find you a better movie that all these actors are in. Yeah. That's fine. (laughs) Right. So in the in the book, it's explicitly a gay hotel. I th- yeah, I think that this is more implicitly. I mean, it's Miami. Much... It's very gay friendly. And there's like right. two shredded, handsome dudes having dinner together. That in, the movie lingers in on. A pool. They're sitting in a pool. in on stools in a swimming pool at a table with a candelabra another at an elevated guy table. Comes up with a drink and a coconut and yeah. gives it yes. to them. Yes, that is. <laughs> By the way, straight men don't drink drinks out of no, coconut, so it's not. real explicit. <laughs> well, at least they weren't like big chubby guys with lots of cats. That's true. We've had that in two other. I mean, movies. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> It's the 90s. It's, you know, slightly grown in its yeah. stereotypes. Yeah, it's a stereotype. These characters we're describing are not, they're just lingered on yeah, by the they're movie. Just they're in the, the background. You know how, like, sometimes they'll show, like, the outside of a hospital and then they'll cut to the characters inside? This well, is that I think scene. It's, it's supposed to be foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. Okay. So then they. Cut Spoiler to... alert. Well, they talked to Tony Shalhoub first. Yes, they right. talked so to. Tony Shalhoub Tony is Shalhoub. sitting at a table at the by the pool and he is obviously from, he's a Cuban. An American, Cuban American. Mm-hmm. Tony Shalhoub isn't a Cuban no. American, no. to my knowledge. <laughs> but the characters he, he's playing is because, it, also not made explicit in the book, Picker's first wife has South American uh, relatives who are like uh, you get what? the hint of some sort of like organized crime or oh, something. My God, <laughs> yeah. that sucks. The whole the whole that potential scandal worse. is that Picker's like hired, you know, family. To sort of do this real estate, do this real estate yeah. stuff yeah. and cronyism, oh, no. et cetera, et cetera. And Shaloub says, "No, nope. he did not. <laughs> clean he guy. Was, he was very clean on that. He couldn't possibly have done any of that because he was too high at the time." <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Huh? <laughs> Record scratch noise." <laughs> And he's like, yeah, yeah, he would do cocaine all the time. He, he loves a, cocaine. He was a cocaine addict. <laughs> like just we ask, all were. Just ask his friend. <laughs> it was the 70s. Uh, Raldo? Geraldo? Lorenzo. Lorenzo. Renzo. <laughs> yes. Yeah, go ask Lorenzo. He knows all about uh, this. Lorenzo, he would bring him all the cocaine. Lorenzo was a lawyer, and that was who he bought his cocaine from. Mm-hmm, with connections. Uh, there's a character in the book missing from the movie. Uh, the governor had a driver, a policeman. This is a, it's a more complicated story. So he, he had a driver who was a policeman who also was a cocaine addict. And they had some, they had an experience where they went and saw something they, that Lorenzo was doing. And they both went, is this who we are? And so, and that's when they got clean. And that's when the governor said, oh, I'm not going to run for there's an event that occurs, and I think there was a, like a murder I mean, or yeah, an Lorenzo, overdose. Or... Oh, he, Lorenzo clearly went to prison. Yeah, Lorenzo mm-hmm. went to prison. Yes, this but we don't know why in the so movie. Movie is so wild that it pushed all of the front runner out of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just when when in one hair in primary colors just well, pushed it right back out because the front runner has one scandal. Yeah, yeah and it's not much <laughs> comparatively. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, so, so anyway. then they go see Lorenzo. <laughs> Right, and Lorenzo is in a hostel. No, he's in a. He's just hospice? hanging out. No, it's a hospice or something. Is it? It's a. It's a. Yeah. Everybody hanging out there just, is very oh. sick. Well, he just looked like he was lounging. Yeah, he, he was resting comfortably. Yeah, but he was uh, they walked by a guy with like a, 
uh, IV. I, IV drip. And I and I at least read this as he has AIDS. Oh, clearly. Right? It, but they yeah. never say no. that. In the book, it's explicit. Okay, because they it's like many things in this movie, it's more implied. Yeah. They also, I think they lost something, that, you know, something from the book that was slightly interesting, which I'll tell you about later, because okay. it's it's when they talk to, um, when they talk to Picker at the end, he tells a little, he says some things that are a little bit interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and- Lorenzo says, like, you know, he thinks they're with Picker and, because mm-hmm. they're it's Libby. And yeah. so he sort of says, like, you know, tell him that I got this after us. I got right. this in prison. I don't think he says tell him that. He's, he is, no, he I mean, he does least says that him. I got this in jail. Yeah, yeah I, got, I had a lot afterwards. of sex in jail. Because that's how they realized that he had a relationship, because he says tell him it was after well, him. Well, he also looks at Henry and says, are, are you, you the new one? Are you the yeah. new Lorenzo? Yeah. So... Which, even... which doesn't make sense unless he's accusing Henry of being a coke dealer. So yeah, which... you have to say that this was like, I got this, like my AIDS, right. after us. Yeah, because the movie, if you just read the dialogue without the implications, is like, let's go talk to his drug dealer. And the drug dealer's like, I went to jail. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> That's because he doesn't say anything that he doesn't give them any new information except for that he looks very sick and says i was in jail and and also his body temperature cannot be regulated and i mean he's he's talking about being sick like they're out of hospice so it's kind of weird that they don't just i don't know it's the 90s maybe they were shying away from it yeah they picked some things to shy away from in this movie and some things not to uh so then there's the big this maybe the probably the only good part of the movie is that that Henry and Libby are driving back. Right. We get to see Henry and Libby together, the two best characters, for a very short period of time. And they have, a, I would say, a fairly good conversation where Henry's like, we got him. This, you know, we got information on Picker. This is going to take him down. And Libby's like... No, we can't use it. Yeah, we can't use it. This is sad. And, like, the thing here now is we're going to go tell the Stantons about this. And if they want to use it, we'll know they're dirtbags. Right. Because it, nothing that they learn implies that there's something morally wrong. morally wrong with Picker. He made some mistakes, but he's never done anything wrong, is basically what they learn. He did drugs and then resigned. Yeah. Um, so they go back and present this information to... He did drugs and resigned, and nobody knew he did drugs. He right. resigned before people uncovered any kind of problem with and he and he did not do the scandal that they thought they were investigating he didn't commit anything fraudulent fraudulent there uh so then they tell the stantons and susan's like well all right great are we gonna send this to the post or the times yeah right no the wall street journal (laughs) yeah right uh and jack stanton is he mostly just says nothing and through this like he's kind of neutral and he's like oh whatever you want no, he wants to do it. Yeah. yeah. He's for it. Because Libby's like, mm, Libby just matter-of-factly is like, nope, we're not going to do this. We've Henry and I have decided we're not going to do this. Yeah. And, you know, Emma Thompson's character is like, no, we're, we're going to do it. And then Libby pulls out her portfolio <laughs> of photos. Her blood <laughs> evidence. from No, no, no. This is where she pulls out the pictures of them from oh, the 70s. Right. Yes. And she's like, the reason we're not going to do this is because back when we first met, I wanted to do something scandalous like this, and you said, no, we're going to change politics. We'll we're going to be, be better. better than this. Well, she she pulled out the, ni- the CIA stuff from the 70s and said, we need to be able to do what the CIA did yeah. to yeah. ruin our candidate. 
Yeah, and Jack's like, Jack no. was all idealistic and no, was like, no, we're it. above this. We're going to solve this CIA problem when we get into power. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's disappointed <laughs> yeah. that he doesn't make that decision. And then they're still going to do it. They're still going to do it. So then she pulls out the other stuff. Yeah. She says, this is why you're not going to do it. Aha. Uh-huh. I went to your doctor's office and discovered that here's, blood your, test. here's your <laughs> blood test that you had done. Oh, and here's Uncle Charlie's blood that's been drawn over the years. Yeah. You didn't compare the blood to you. You didn't compare the baby's uh, genetic material to you. you. You compared it to Uncle Charlie. And that's why it's important that they should have mentioned that Uncle Charlie's not a blood relative. Right. That's why my immediate question was like, is it his real oh? uncle? Because that's not going to help I, him. I 100% don't remember them doing that in the movie. It is explicit in the book that Uncle Charlie is not his actual uncle. His mother, oh, he, he was adopted by his mother's parents when his own parents died. Uh, the other thing that they don't do in the movie that is in the book, just making the book one more step crazier <laughs> than the movie, and the movie is pretty bad, you find out that the doctor is actually Jack Stanton's dad. <gasps> Ay, dos mio. <laughs> his real dad, uh, they got married, and then the dad was shipped off to World War II and died, and then she just used... She just, you know, made up a story about where Jack Stanton came from. But he actually was the doctor's son. And I think, is this, shortly after this is where Charlie, or no, I'm sorry, Henry confronts Jack in the at the urinal. And he's like, hey, man, you, you know, you're a bad guy. And you wouldn't have taken Uncle Charlie's blood unless you were concerned this might be true. No, I think, wait, I don't think he does that. I think Libby says that, right? But what about that scene in the urinal? And he's like yelling at Jack peeing. I don't remember this at all. I remember that, but I thought it was before. I thought it was long before. Because there's a confrontation. I thought that was like, isn't that before he even sends Henry to talk to Big Willie? No, it's later. Because I, I, the way this is in my brain, for whatever it's worth, yeah. is he confronts Jack and he says, the only reason you would have gotten Charlie's blood is if you weren't sure whether you could be the father or not, which means you slept with the babysitter. No, no, that that was, I thought that was when they were like leaving and he was going to quit the campaign at the end. Yeah, maybe anyway, he definitely anyway. does say something about sleeping with the babysitter. Because that's the the point, though, right? right? Is that maybe that's not your kid. In fact, the movie, for some reason, they're like, she probably wasn't. That's probably not your kid, which I didn't get any in evidence the book, for the it's case. Not, in the book, well, in the book, it's probably not. Yeah, but. And, it, and they, <laughs> God, that stupid Timing book. wise or something. Yeah, so she described, Lib, Libby describes the young girl as not being very well educated as far as sexual education is concerned. Mm, okay. And she, the the young girl assumes that the first person who has sex with you after your period is the person who fathers your child. It's just yeah. some oh, goofy just... thing. But apparently she had sex with somebody after that uh-huh. also. So yeah, the book also makes her out to be a little bit of a loose woman. I mean, that's the and also the movie too. not very yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that um, part's true in the movie. As none well. of those things are necessary for a character no. to no. sleep with the governor of a state and also mm. be the daughter of somebody's friend because that stuff happens and not necessarily it doesn't require uh, any any. Uh, so Henry and Libby. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Henry please. and Libby then take a ride together, and Libby is very distraught because the Stantons are bad they are evil she wants to quit the campaign she's over it she wants to quit henry's like okay is this the moon yeah Yeah, look at the moon that's me so basically she says that she only shines in the presence of the stantons much like the moon only shines because of the sun because of the sun and she doesn't i don't remember if she explicitly says this in the movie in the book she explicitly says you know 
I've been depressed. I don't want to be depressed again. I only feel like I'm, I'm uh, lighted up when I'm with them, but they're very bad. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to go back down into that depression hole. Well, and that's important. It is important. <laughs> and she tells Henry, get out while you still can. You're right. not like me yet, but you could be. So you need to get away from these people. Uh, and then he's like, okay, well, you're going to be okay driving home. And she's like, I'll be fine. <laughs> and Jacob immediately <laughs> Nothing says, to see here. I'll never, oh, that's, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of her. And then it immediately is. Charlie yes. goes home and then he immediately wakes up because just outside his window at the hotel, Libby has shot herself. Right. There's she didn't even flashing. bother to go she anywhere. She dropped him off and then shot herself. In the book, <laughs> she does basically a Vince, Fonce, Vince Foster and drives into murdered? the Murdered? <laughs> yes, she's murdered. <laughs> no, she drives to a remote, remote, remote? remote place, mm. you know, pulls out a chair and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and kills herself. She kills herself with the gun that we saw earlier. That that Chekhov's gun was yes. pointed at that guy's penis earlier now, in the movie. She shot herself. And now she shot herself. And then we get basically there's two more scenes. There's this huge confrontation. Henry and Jack go to conf- go to talk to Picker, and Jack says, "Hey, we found this stuff about you." Um, oh, that's you know. right. Uh, there's a funeral scene. Oh yeah, where there's you see funeral. that Jack Stanton is remorseful. This, and, I think, is where he was yelling at yes, Jack about, you must have thought it was you. you. At the funeral. Yes. That's right. And he confronted, because this is basically like, he's completely, Henry's now realized Jack is bad. I mean, that, He's this just is, not all he had built him up to be. Yeah, this is the point where he, he lo- confronts He's him. no longer a true believer. Yes. Then they go meet with Picker. Right. Jack Stanton says, now we're going to do the thing that Libby wanted us to do. Yeah. We're going to go give Picker all this information that we have. And Picker's like, well, if you found it, uh, someone else will find it. I didn't really plan to run for president. It just happened that way. I guess I'm out. Because he's such a noble good he's dude. He's the best. Uh, uh, and this is where he... Oh, there's the, a driver. <laughs> the camera lingers slowly on the driver. When they drive up to Picker's house, for some reason, <laughs> the camera lingers on the driver, who is not, <laughs> not a character in the movie. And we're like, why are we looking at this guy? You know what <laughs> that reminds me? <laughs> It might be the director's nephew. I don't know. <laughs> There's a scene in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang where I they do that, that and then the narrator stops the movie to be like, did you notice that we lingered yeah. on this guy? And was there a reason? Yes. yes. And they also, any references, there's a, remember in The Hunt for the Red October where the camera uh-huh. lingers on the chef? Well, mm-hmm. it's like that. And then later the guy comes back. Right. That happens in this movie when they linger on the driver because the driver apparently immediately goes and calls the newspapers. Press, yeah. But this is where in the book, <laughs> in the book, yeah, humble break. <laughs> um, Picker tells this, it, I don't know, it's it's not a story. It's sort of, in the book, there's various things that happen with Picker that are not as explicitly shown in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. for example, it, when he gives his first big speech in front of the big crowd, he's a little bit strange and he tells the crowd to quiet down and he says, no, I really mean it. I want you guys to settle down. And he so, does say something to that he effect. He says that in the movie, specifically. In the movie. He says, we all need to, you know, take a breath or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the At this point in the movie where he's talking, where they give him the uh, evidence, he says, you know, what happened in that at that speech is that I was having a panic attack. Hmm. Um, and he talks about the blood and he has become very focused on the blood that he gave. He, he had given a you know, blood yeah. trial. And in the book, they talk about how people, and I don't know if we saw this in the movie or not, but people have like posters and they've made a picker oh, sign no, with like a little so. drop of blood. That's that's becoming kind of his logo. Hmm. 
And there's also a part in the movie where Jack Stanton, they aren't going to reveal that Jack Stanton gave his blood because it would look really bad that he gave yes. blood to do a baby paternity test while Picker was giving blood to save lives, yeah. right? right? And then Picker goes into this little story about how, you know, I, I couldn't stop thinking about the blood. And like, and what he's talking about is they took his blood. He wanted to know if they tested it mm-hmm. because he didn't know if he had him. had, you know, a homosexual relationship yeah. with Lorenzo. Yes. And AIDS is a big deal. And he starts to worry a lot about whether or not he has AIDS. That to, makes sense. And then uh, to the point where then he calls the hospital and they say, everything's fine. Um, but he still is like, that was such a big, important thing to me. Maybe I'm not suited to be. Mm. No, no that, that part's not in the movie. No. Because all the AIDS stuff is read between the lines in this. Right. Uh, but they confront Picker. Picker's like, okay, I guess I'm done. Picker, but he also says, you know, Jack Sanders in the book, at least, was going to quit. He was going to give Picker the stuff and he was going to quit the campaign. Oh. And Picker Picker says a number of things that convince him to stay in. Stay in. Yeah. Uh, and then on the walk back to the car as the press are rolling up, Henry and Jack have it out. And Henry's like, I'm quitting. Right. I'm going to go do something else. Maybe voter registration. And Jack's like, register them for what? You yeah, gotta who are they going to vote, vote for? for? And, you know, basically, like, he basically gives a big speech that's like, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to be so helpful. I'm going to be great. Yeah. I mean, he basically says, you know, I did the right thing in the end. Who cares what my motivation was for it? Oh, yeah. You know, as long as I'm doing the best thing for the people, you know. Who, who cares what yeah. what led up to it and <laughs> you know this and you should stick around and yeah and henry, blah blah, blah. but, the, says, but like the, if, policies, the policies the policies the yeah. policies and henry's like if libby hadn't killed herself you wouldn't have done this and, and he's like but she did but, but, but i but, but i did do it so yeah, is that fine you know like at the end of the day and then there's sort of this lingering like will he go will he stay yeah dun, don't dun, worry dun. we find out yeah in the very next scene uh, well no in the next scene all you know is that He's won the presidency. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So the next scene is shot from above, and you see Jack and Susan Stanton dressed up, dressed to the nines in inauguration tuxedo <laughs> at their inauguration ball. Mm-hmm. And then Jack <laughs> starts shaking everyone's hand, which is a callback to the beginning of the movie. Right. When Grand the movie circle. starts, which we didn't talk about. With some na- opening narration, which never comes back. Right. The narrator <laughs> is talking. No, it isn't no, narration. It is. It's uh, one of his campaign yeah. guys is oh. explaining to Henry how Jack Stanton shakes hands. He's got a special... He's got a special handcakes <laughs> For each of his friends. Yeah, and depending on how he shakes your hand is what kind of relationship he has with you. And the and best one is the handshake. double hand. <laughs> and then he shakes a bunch of people's hands. You're just seeing the handshake. And then he does a double handshake on a black, a black hand. hand. And it zooms out, and there's Henry. The end. The end. And then they play some weird music. And really then, uh, weird closing credits music. Yeah. There was a lot of weird music. They yeah. came to the forefront every once in a while throughout <laughs> Mostly the Mostly towards the second half of oh, the Oh, I mean, we forgot to even mention that during the scene with Henry and Libby that they have this weird noir setting all of a oh, sudden. Yeah. Yeah. For no reason. Like saxophone playing <laughs> yeah. as the shadows move it's, over their faces. Yeah, they're driving like across the bridge in Miami and it's like this, the color, Miami everything Vice. about this whole thing is different. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah, speaking of Miami Vice, but um, I noticed in both the they didn't mention did they mention anything about Miami Vice in the primary colors? 
don't think Not so. Not that I think of. It, I mean, it's after, the book was written after Miami Vice came sure. to an yeah. end. But in the book, he does mention Miami Vice. And they also mention Miami Vice in uh, The Front Runner. Do they? But it, that's like the year before it yeah, came to an end. So that's at prime that Miami sense. Vice time. Yeah, he, he mentions Crockett. Uh, as okay. one of the characters in Miami Vice. Shout out to Tubbs, who everybody forgets. <laughs> yeah, poor Tubbs. So, but apparently Miami Vice was in everybody's mind for, a, you know, I mean, like yeah. 10 years. Great. <laughs> yeah, so that movie ended. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> couldn't be happier for it. There was so much stuff it in that story. It was too long and not good. I mean, this was one of the less boring movies we watched because it was so bad. And also, the, okay. there was something happening you in every You mean because we moment. could heckle it? Is that yeah, what you mean? Yeah, that okay. is what I mean. Well, there, and also, there wasn't any lag. There were You weren't ever sitting around going, well, this is a boring part. It was more like, why is this happening? Yeah, yeah that is exactly it. It was inexplicable. It really, really, oh, I said this before, just raising issues and then solving them. And without hardly, often with little and sometimes no imp- like, no actual movement by any of the characters. And I think, I don't know if they said anything about it in the movie, but they explicitly made a mention of that in the book. Oh, in that really? basically, Jack Stanton is just hit with one thing after another, but he never suffers, he never goes down, and he never suffers any consequences from any of it. And it's not just, well, it's not just he doesn't suffer consequences. The way they solve the conflict, sometimes they don't do anything. And like it fixes itself. The right. way that they solve the jennifer flowers characters thing is they're like she's got a tape well what are we gonna do we'll go to the audio expert that i know here's his house oh he figured out it's a it's false which is so weird because it's so funny that henry had to be like oh that was a conversation we had and that jack wouldn't be like uh yeah i definitely didn't have that conversation with her like did you have a very similar conversation? Like, yeah. you well, clearly had some kind of relationship or you would have pointed out. Right. In the book, <laughs> <laughs> they have more than one tape and some are real and some Okay. Are. Yeah. This movie introduces a lot of conflicts and things and the way they solve most of them is to just be like, hey, can we get somebody to look at that? They're like, yeah, we got it. I mean, that's even the way that they are like. Well, Picker's really getting ahead. We should look up any dirt on him. Hey, you, you worked on his campaign. Do you have any dirt on him? And you're like, well, I got this one thing. It's so weird because it's like the movie is apologetic for Stanton. They're yeah. like, yeah, he did this bad thing, That's but it, bad. isn't it worse that the woman lied about yeah. her evidence? You know, like, right, but that's to just say like real what the life. Bad thing I, is. But it's just, <laughs> right. No, it's like whatever a woman does doesn't, they don't matter at all. Well, here's the... No, I mean, like, well, they're all a bunch of liars. You know, because Kashmir was a liar about the tapes and Willie's daughter was a liar about him being the father, even though they were both they were both telling the truth truthful. about the right. affair. <laughs> Here's the difference between real life and the story is that in real life, it's true that like I don't know, Monica Lewinsky is made to be a joke and blah, blah, blah. But she suffered real abuse. But if you then went and talked to Monica Lewinsky... <laughs> She would probably have a different viewpoint on that as opposed to in the movie where they go talk. They never talk to Kashmir, but the way she's presented is like, yeah, but she's actually dumb. Yeah. Like the big Willie's daughter is dumb. That's why this happened. Not that like so she is the honestly. The difference between the movie in the 90s and the movie from 2018 is that the bad, the the girls are dumb in the 90s and we're not sure. They're almost incomprehensible characters in the yeah that's the difference in the two movies is in the front runner the woman donna rice donna rice 
is shown to be I don't even know. She well, gives how dare her you death. for thinking well, she's stupid? She gives her curriculum yeah. vitae. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah, it's your fault she's stupid and there is a 20 second scene where another woman's like, "Actually, this is kind of fucked up." And the other character's like, "I guess." Yeah. And then they but, move on. But we're not there yet. No. We'll no, come but there. We'll be there. But I but I kind of want to go down a list. Jennifer Flowers, Donna Rice, Monica Lewinsky. Oh, are you talking these real life? Real life women. Lorena uh, Bobbitt, she's no, coming back in. But that's not a political not thing. Yet. Oh, it's got to be a political thing. Um, I mean, there's plenty more, but. Yeah. Uh, but Stormy get... Daniels. Oh, yeah, Trump but... has like six. I mean, like, there was a whole bunch of women came forward seven during the campaign and more or later. Right. But the the thing is, the way that the men are covered very, versus the way that the women are covered mm-hmm. is kind of how these movies yeah. are. Yeah, that's too. exactly how they do it. It's like these men actually exist and are full fledged human beings. And then you've got these women. And there's who, women who are in their lives. And then there, yeah, <laughs> some women exist. Yeah. Well, and also the movie, both movies uh, really go th- jump through a lot of hoops to give excuses. But the right. excuses are like, well, you slept with a babysitter. But you didn't impregnate her, right? That's <laughs> and what I'm that's saying. like the the two like the two scales are like on Equal. the one hand you abused this underage woman, but on the other hand, not as much as we thought. But on the other hand, she's stupid and accused you of being her baby daddy when you're not. Like it's yeah. just such a false equivalency, and it's really troublesome yeah. that the movie treats them as moral equivalents. I mean, Cashmere, I think, is the better example in some ways because like she's evil and everyone she works with is evil. Yeah, they're just and all on the other hand. Everything she said is true, but... I'm trying to remember the name of the woman, not Jennifer Flowers, the the brunette, um, uh, yeah. that was assaulted by Clinton in a hotel was room. It Paula something? Paula. Paula Pounds? Nope. No. no. Paula... <laughs> not Paula Pounds. Paula something. Paula... Oh, it's important. I know. Paula... Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, that Paula lady... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now I I lost it because I focused yeah. too hard on trying to remember her name. I mean, you're the one listening to all these slow burn episodes. If anyone knows, it should be you. Uh, yeah. That... <laughs> Tiny computer was away. And then there's the other woman whose name I can't remember at all, who's the real, you know, the rape victim. Right. Um, she was the most forgotten one. Mm-hmm. Paula Jones. Paula Jones. Aha. <laughs> but now I can't remember what I was going to say about her. So well, she matter. sued him for sexual harassment. Right. Yeah. Oh, I remember what it was. She was sort of discredited from the beginning in the same way we saw Anita with Cashmere. Yeah, they they name drop Anita Hill in this movie, mm-hmm. and it is blown past like it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was partly because she was manip. Cashmere and Paula Jones, I think, are really good. Sort of at more, even more so maybe than Jennifer Flowers. In that, Paula Jones had a credible, you know, mm-hmm. credible accusation, but she was so weirdly handled by the system around her like they they took her to cpac yeah <laughs> to give the announcement that she was going to you know that she was accusing clinton of this assault yeah um but then they didn't let her speak and she didn't really give a statement at the time oh like mark meadows friend uh at the michael cohen hearing the black woman who worked for trump that <laughs> proves he's not a racist <laughs> right, who just right, right. was there she was standing right there <laughs> Uh, right, but that that whole the CPAC thing with Paula Jones is kind of weird because because of CPAC because CPAC is a Republican you know yeah thing and you would think if she had something to say but for whatever but reason they didn't want she... her to yeah um, and then she did the weird documentary with 
some really super right wing uh, filmmaker, and that just made her look even more partisan. That was enough to discredit. I mean, it right. discredited her. And and here we are today. Yeah, you can you can follow the all the little breadcrumbs to the all the world we're in now. Oh Lord. Yeah. <laughs> we should talk about the front runner. Yeah, because that's where it all started. Okay. Except not really. That's part of it too. So what the front runner front runner is also from a book. Mm-hmm. It's a more it was a book like that came out this year actually written by a reporter who followed the story at the time. This year? Yeah, it came out like this year. Wasn't the book called something different like all the secrets are It's 2019 out. now. It's by a the way. Lo- it's a, like a the front runner colon something something something. Yeah. I can't remember what the rest of it is. When you say this year, do you mean 2018 or 2019? 2018, um, but you know, this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I heard the author interviewed on Skullduggery. Mm. And they were talking about this book. I don't remember if the book was written at the same time they were making the movie. Mm, it may okay. have been a companion piece to it. Gotcha. Okay. But it was written by a reporter from the time who followed this story. Okay. Um, and the book is a lot about how how re- how journalism changed. And part of the reason why Gary Hart kept saying, this isn't even a story. And the reason he kept saying this isn't even a story is it's that it's not fair. Is that <laughs> he was? It's not like he was unique in any way, right? He was just Why for are whatever you reason me, right? <laughs> Journalists had a you know they basically just didn't care about that stuff, mm-hmm. and they never reported on it. And he kept saying this, you know, basically it was a. I mean, I think it was very much a like, this is between me and my wife, and if she doesn't care, then it shouldn't be any of your business. Right, but he also had an expectation that they wouldn't cover it, because right. they never did cover Because right. every every politician did this, yeah. and and they mentioned, I think it's Johnson. If Johnson LBJ, comes in, yeah. yeah, he comes in after Kennedy, and he says, just ignore all those women coming out of my room. Yeah, he says, he says, I know you guys had an arrangement with JFK, so you're going to see a lot of women coming out of my suite, and I'd appreciate the same courtesy. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the pact that the. It wasn't that, even an unspoken arrangement. It was just it was an a, arrangement. It was an arrangement between right. and, men. Because and Gary Hart expected the same men. courtesy. But don't you know? I watched this movie, and I can tell you, Gary Hart was really cool. <laughs> he was such a cool, smart, they, nice guy. I, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but did the book have as much contempt for the press as the movie did? Yeah, that's a good no, question. Because the book was written by a reporter. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. well, there. You know, <laughs> uh, and he, no, he described a lot of reporters with great admir- admiration. In fact, the one, so the, I can't remember, AJ, mm-hmm. the, the black reporter. Mm-hmm. The hero. Uh, doesn't actually. Who doesn't exist. Did, doesn't exist in real life. Uh, you know, he's an amalgamation mm-hmm. of, oh, here's another thing from that stupid primary <laughs> color book. So there's a, there's My this, mom's gripping her forehead. <laughs> yes. It's going to explode. <laughs> There's this scene where reporters, where reporters are asking Jack Stanton questions. Jack Stanton, Mr. Stanton, Mr. Stanton. And, he says, and the reporter, this this reporter asked him blah, blah, blah. And then this black reporter asked him blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why does it matter? Why, why is this one black and that one's just a reporter? He's just a reporter. All right. But beside the point, there yeah. is a the one of the central characters, not a main character, but he is in the movie quite a bit, is AJ, the reporter from the Washington Post. There's a lot of characters in this movie. But he very closely resembles uh, someone that the author of the book talked about a lot, who was just this very, very serious reporter who was very thorough. He didn't want to write about the affair. He wanted to go deep in depth about Gary Hart and write about Gary Hart. And he spent a lot of time 
you know, studying and whatnot. And I think that was who that character was supposed to represent. I found that character very weird in the movie because he says fairly early on, like, I don't really care about this stuff. But then he's also the link, like the crux of a lot of the stuff that happens. Well, and I'm like, Reitman did that on purpose, it seems, because it shows like how how the horrible press like lost its morals yeah. and its footing and crumbled and gave into salaciousness and you know, that, yeah it's purposeful for some reason so I, can, I don't know i don't remember when diana princess diana died 96 yeah but this felt like it was sort of a precursor to that no this would have been after but it was like a descendant of that type of that oh, this this movie is the events right. it takes place in the 80s. It might have been earlier than 96. Right. It was mid-90s, I think. Oh, yeah. okay. So she's an escalation from this yes. point forward. Yes, because now, now they won't leave those people alone. Right. Now all the all the legitimate papers are all acting like the National Enquirer. 97. Okay, so we need to point out that uh, the Front Runner takes place in 1988. It's the election. It's the campaign directly before the one that is covered in primary colors. Yes, in '92. So this these events happened before those events, and it's which, uh, by the way, it felt decades apart mm-hmm. in terms of just the world, everything, and yeah. the campaign, the way the 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 candidates act, everything felt like this took place a thousand years in the future. Well, part in the future, or in the past, like the- primary <laughs> right. colors feels like modern day, right? right. And the nineteen, the 19- so they did a good job on that, mm-hmm. on making it feel like it was at the time. Some other little things that I think are kind of important is that Gary Hart was, he was relatively young for a man running for yeah, president. Yeah, they, they, they said 19, he was one of the he, youngest, 46 He was 46. I mean, I think, I think Hugh Jackman's in his late 50s, but <laughs> he doesn't look <laughs> like a 46-year-old man in this movie. Yeah. But um, that, he was one of the first, he was the first baby boomer hmm. to run for president. And he also, uh, I think, and they're still president. That, right? <laughs> right. But at the time, he was a baby boomer from the very beginning of the baby boom. Mm. So he didn't, you know, he wasn't really, he wasn't really from the same generation as the kids who, I guess he would have been in his 20s in the 60s. Uh, my question is, is what happened to Gary Hart in real life after he's, this? He's alive. He's just alive. a dude. Because I was going to say, like, he's the same age Trump is almost exactly, right? Within a year yes. or two. Yeah. So we're still, <laughs> Yeah. Still baby boomer president. I mean, he was interviewed for the book. Oh. He was heavily interviewed for the book. I mean, the movie starts with his first failed campaign. Yes. Which was the 1984 campaign. Right. Which yeah. is good. It was good that he he lost the primary. Right. He didn't, he wasn't the presidential mm-hmm. candidate. Mondale was, right? Mondale? Yes. And uh, another. Mondale and Ferraro. <laughs> another sort of flashback that Primary Colors shouts out to. Mm-hmm. That that's when Libby knew, like we're gonna we're gonna lose to nixon as when you know that was uh, McGov- mcgovern yeah and he was she was like are we the stupid like do we just put up bad candidates and yeah yeah it seems like right. a pattern mondale wasn't great exactly um, <laughs> but he was up against reagan i mean for gary hart it would if if he hadn't imploded it it would have been good to fail i think that was the one like that was reagan's second term right right oh like four so yes. then we got carter after that no, Bush. No, we got Bush. Bush. Mm-hmm. Right, because... <laughs> <laughs> Just because. Bad th- because of Mondale. Mm-hmm. Mondale was up against Bush, not Reagan. Oh, I can't remember now. Yeah, because Clinton won in 92. That sounds right. Mondale didn't win, so that means it was Bush. Yeah. Clinton beat Bush. Bush didn't right. have a second term. Right. I'm just trying to remember who ran 
in 84. Who else was in the primary? I don't know. Would have been Mont. Oh, Mont- Jesse Mont- Jackson was running. That's right. He's he's talked about. So. So anyway, it was good that Gary Hart lost. If he hadn't imploded, he probably would have won against Bush. But he probably wouldn't have won against Reagan in 84 because Reagan was an incumbent. Maybe. And he was extremely popular. Right. Which hurts my heart. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no more so than current events current day right <laughs> well let's what happens in the front runner how does this even start it's right gary hart's a cool great smart well dude. it starts with him not winning the yeah. primary and they agree also that that's good mm-hmm. because that now wasn't we know that was ourselves. not the time right so then he runs in 88 and he's the front runner and i think he's the front runner like basically from the get-go mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. very popular he's yeah. a little weird which mm-hmm. is good um, and he's he, he's wonkish. He's a policy wonk. He doesn't care about personal stories. He doesn't want to do frivolous right. things. He doesn't like want to give, shake hands. Yeah, and... he doesn't want to shake hands. He doesn't want to be on People magazine. He just wants to talk about the issues. So some of the other candidates that, having read all these books, now I know are very similar to that. Hillary Clinton, also mm-hmm. not not really wanting to shake hands and mm-hmm. schmooze. Uh, Carter also was pretty introverted. He didn't really enjoy that aspect of it mm. um all Gary, those all those successful all politicians yep. apparently there you gotta have that yeah i guess so <laughs> it helps so gary hart uh the other thing he because he knew he was the front runner he didn't want to run the way that front runners always do because they tend to not stay there if you're front runner too mm-hmm. early and if you run the way that people typically run as a front runner they tend to lose the front yeah. And so he wanted to focus on policy only and not do all the rah-rah stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So he actually had a lot of, you know, policy developed. He wasn't just going, you know, he had plans. He had the three to four E's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes three, sometimes four. <laughs> unless, yeah, unless you get a drop one. Education, energy. Environment and ethics. Yeah. Ethics. He should have left that one off. Yeah. yeah that, no, that, was that, was the, that was the fourth one that got raised. and Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes they have a run it fails they cut to a year later he's the front runner he's at a debate and he's crushing everybody with his smart policy and his long hair it's kind of how that's <laughs> his dreamy dreamy hair uh i want to say very early on aj is introduced and confronts him at a diner with no no first he talks to him on an airplane and there's the turbulence and oh, he yeah. and aj's mm. very scared of the turbulence but it's okay and yeah because Hart talks him through talks it. him talks him down about it and then references history and didn't they teach you about uh, Tolstoy? Tolstoy, I give and him a book. gives him a book to read, and because he's such a good dude. Yeah, he's the best. He's a thinker. And it's Hugh Jackman kind of doing his best with an English, like with an American accent. He's doing all right. I wasn't too bothered. He's fine. By it. He's fine. Um, so basically, it's the scene in Primary Colors where they go to the adult literacy program, <laughs> and Jack Stanton exactly. shows you what a good guy is. Yep. Yeah. On the inside, He's except it seems good. fake. And whereas Gary Hart seemed a little seemed more... Seemed genuine. Genuine, yeah. yeah. But maybe that's Hugh Jackman doing his Versus best. John Triple. Yeah, right. I mean, it could be Gary Hart. I don't really say. know anything about him. He might have been a good dude. Uh, but AJ does confront him yeah, with Yeah, that's the other something. thing. So Gary Hart, he had a religious upbringing. And it was something that he... From my impression was that he's he kind of went away from that yeah, it was like himself. like a severe like kind of like i don't remember what religion it was it would be like being a uh, like a mormon mormon or a Jonas whatever nixon Whitehead. was satanist pentecostal no, the guys it's not the guys in the horse carts 
Amish? Quaker. Oh, he was Menin. a Quaker. Okay. Nixon was a Quaker. Yeah. Nice. Good work, Nicole. <laughs> let's, let's play. Uh, what am I making charades. up? What's the religion I'm starting up? Uh, they got the things around their necks. <laughs> Nicole and I, we're going to do charades. We're a team. <laughs> they got those steamy balls they carry around. Hare Krishnas? Yeah, but it was that kind of. Uh, Severe. I don't know. I don't want to say severe. Um, conservative. conservative. Cancel my mom. Religion. Twitter, get on. Get on it. <laughs> yeah. So he was raised that way, but he sort of, you know, got a little looser as he got older. Sure. We don't well, really know the nature of his marriage. Yeah. Similar to yeah. the Clintons, we never know what the nature of their relationship it's very is. Very ambiguous. But this. she clearly, his wife also clearly knows that he, and she's a real person. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Hillary Clinton. Nope, that's not what nope. I meant. Unlike yeah. Susan Stanton. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, she, it seems almost more like a Clinton-esque marriage in terms of the way people portray it now, which is that she knows all about it. She just looks the other way as long as... As long as he doesn't embarrass, doesn't embarrass her. her. She says that at some point in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So he needs to take a break from that campaign. That's when the bad stuff starts. It's or, so hard for me to remember to say, any but... details of this movie because it was so bland. See, but this was all policy, policy, policy. Right. right. And you I don't like want it. all policy. See? I just wanted that first scene where <laughs> uh-huh. he says, I got these four E's. And then someone's like, I like the four E's. And then well, I'm like, aha. The movie also, I can't remember what part of the movie this was <laughs> because it's raised and then dropped immediately. <laughs> but you can tell what a good guy he is because his daughter is a closeted lesbian. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. And he's totally cool with it. It's, hey, it's no big deal. at the beginning because yeah. he goes home. He goes home and hangs out with his Because they're going to make the announcement officially in Colorado where he's from. Right. So this is definitely before the monkey business begins. Which, by the way, is great because how late the announcement is made (laughs) in the 80s for a campaign versus when it would have been made in the state. Like, it's like right before the primaries that he makes an announcement for it. And what's notable, I remember some of these things happening, but what's notable about his announcement is that he forces all these reporters to basically walk up a mountain because he wants to have the Red Rocks Where's he from? Colorado, Colorado. right. Mm -hmm. He's from, like, Trouble Junction. (laughs) Yeah, I wrote it down. It was Trouble... I think it's junction. Trouble. It's something like that. Well, you wrote it down. I wrote it, it down. Because I remember one chuckling. One of the first things I wrote. Because I was like, Troublesome Gulch. Troublesome oh, Gulch, yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's foreshadowing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's from Troublesome Gulch. He makes all these reporters walk up a hill. I, I think that the reporters, right, they must have just wrote the hell out of that because I was aware of it. <laughs> oh, no. We had we were out of breath when we got up there to get this well, guy's he's a announcement. Man. Right. Made he's clear showing he's showing how healthy he is mm-hmm. what he's doing. Throws an axe later. Yeah, and then he's he from the he he talks about how he's from no presidential candidate has ever been from the West, mm-hmm. and the West is the future. So he has to show like his roots in mm-hmm. the West. Right. So he's a little weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and also strategically, his campaign jokes that if the reporters are out of breath, maybe they won't ask any questions. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Yeah. So he announces on a mountain, and then. Uh, at some point, he gets tired, and he goes to... Miami. Is it Miami? It's somewhere in Florida. Mm-hmm. All right. Because cool. somebody says, like, you need to take some time. I mean, I think some... it's Miami because Miami Herald. Yes. Oh, you're right. That's right. And he has, his, he has like, like three people in his campaign, the three Bills. B.B. Billy B. Broadhurst, yeah. I believe, is his name. And he... Is that J.K. Simmons? No. no that's no, it's the one the... in Florida. The it's the Good guy. Time Billy. It's mm. Good Time Billy. Okay. Um, and that's why he's there. Apparently, he from the you know from the book, he was somebody who just sort of could get Gary Hart to relax a little bit and have some fun. And so that's why he was part <laughs> of their <laughs> such an Yikes. understated way <laughs> to talk about what goes on. Yeah. So then he goes to down to Miami with Billy. Uh, they go for a ride on the monkey business. There's a party. <laughs> it's a big old yacht. 
Yeah. Yep. And that's where he meets Donna Rice. And you never see Donna Rice. No. You see her from, from the back. back. Mm-hmm. And you see her following him up the stairs well, to get see, away from the noisy party. There's super, super loud music playing. And Gary's having trouble having a conversation with BB and the women that he's talking to. And then this woman walks in and all you see is her back. And she sort of sits down and Gary's face kind of lights up. Ooh. And he's yeah. like, um, I'm going to go back upstairs. And she follows him. Right. Yeah. And then, and that's all you see. No, then you see the boat in the sunset in the, in the middle of the water. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure they just had a nice chat where it was yeah. close. <laughs> then you see him on the campaign trail and every once in a while making a phone call and definitely, and uh, AJ notices him. Yeah, he overhears because, part of this conversation. You know, because Gary Hart is the stupidest man on the He's planet. He's not just as like, hey, uh, what's up, baby? <laughs> you would think Clinton would be the stupidest man on the planet, but he always gets away with it. Yeah. yeah. So Gary Hart is the, gets the title. Yeah. Because he never got away. Well, he didn't mm-hmm. get away with it this time. Yeah. Um, and also, you there's a conversation earlier on at I think the Washington Post where they're talking about the zipper problem. Either the campaign or the Washington Post or both are talking about Gary Hart's zipper problem. I find the the Washington Post <laughs> part I remember most explicitly because they have like all the all the good old boys sitting around the table. And ben Bradley is like, there, played by Doc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Doc Ock, Woodward's there because they say, hey, Woodward. Woodward is a friend of Gary Hart's. Yeah, they went to school together or something. And Gary Hart, one, at one point when Gary Hart was separated from his wife, he... Stayed on his couch. And what happens on, on my couch is no one else's business. And I will not talk about it. <laughs> Says the reporter. Yeah. <laughs> because Woodward. it's above us. We are the Washington yeah, Post. that's like, right. We are not the tabloids. We do not report these things. They're not newsworthy. Somehow we're all friends with the candidates, though. How'd that happen? So, so far we've seen Ben Bradley played by at least three different actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got Tom Hanks and He's like the Jason horse gump of these movies. And um, Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks in The Post. Did we not watch we The Post? We did not watch it. Nope. I watched The Post. Yeah, I've seen Ben Bradley played three times. I could swear we watched another movie that had Ben Bradley in it. That though. may be, but it's oh, not The Post. We did all The President's Men. We did this one. and The Post is the, in There all was movies. another yeah, movie. Did we watch Spotlight at some point? We did watch Spotlight. But I don't think that was Ben Bradley, was also, it? Also, that's The no. Globe. That's yeah. not yeah. The Post. Um, but there was the one... We definitely saw the there was a Washington Post in a third movie, and <laughs> there was oh, no. another Ben Bradley. We're getting to the end of the season, and it's like oh, I don't too know. many movies. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so what? Happened? I don't know what happens in this movie. <laughs> That's the problem. I, there, right. I could. I know what the big turn is about at half an hour into the so movie. So AJ but. is sitting. No, not AJ. The Miami Herald guy well, we've the, seen before. So AJ gets up and overhears. Hart yes. talking on the phone, and then the Miami Herald guy Looks gets up AJ. and sees AJ looking at Hart and figures out, okay, he's onto something. I don't know what, but something. Yes. And it feels like the Miami Herald when compared to the Post. There is a scene on the airplane where yes, uh, the Miami Herald guy says, "I want to talk to Gary Hart one on one," and they're like, "That's not going to happen." And he says, "Well, what about this guy, AJ?" And he says, "Well, he's from the Post." Yeah. And you're just from the Miami Herald, <laughs> which seems think, to be man. like no. a National Enquirer. L- as National Enquirer adjacent yeah, type. Yeah, not in real life. And I think they only say that because they really, this movie does not like the press. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think they ascribe the motivation for them to like dig into this story as revenge yeah, for being like, snubbed oh, as got, opposed to actually like for guys. any journalistic merit. I don't think that's how it happened in real life, but that is what the movie wants you to believe, that he had his feelings hurt and how dare he. And This movie is very protective of Gary Hart. 
yeah. extremely protective yes. of Gary Hart and his. Yeah. And that basically he never did anything wrong. He has no con. They, that any consequences he suffered as the result of his actions are unfair. The only problem is that his wife didn't like it, and she maybe has some merit to it because it was their. But marriage. she never left him, so who so, are we yeah. to judge? So really, who? Yeah, who? Whose fault is it? And how dare we like besmirch this man who would have saved us all? He was, yeah, he was doing such a good job. <sighs> he he helped that guy on the airplane for no reason except that he's so nice. Right. <laughs> he's got the good haircut he looks handsome he's got all the good answers he's very nice to everybody well so what happens is aj gets a call first. no the miami herald guy gets a call and the woman is like my hey, friend my is friend. having an affair with gary hart and he's like okay what's your name what's your friend's name she's like google google i can't tell you that <laughs> she asks if they'll pay for photos and he says good luck with that hangs up on her yeah yeah and oh no! So first she says oh, she's she, gonna fly up to see him that, in yeah. DC, DC, and he's like, "Well, he's gonna be at the Kentucky Derby, so now I know like you're not you're telling the truth. Like, good it. luck with your story," and hangs up on her. And then he gets a fax <gasps> da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> that um, Hart has canceled his trip to the Derby. So I was listening to this book. I didn't finish listening to the front runner, but I was listening it to listening to it today when you came in, mm-hmm. and they were t- he, the author was specifically talking about how faxes changed everything yeah because they were faster than the wire Mm. so you could spread a story so much faster when (laughs) with the advent of faxes well the miami herald guy is also upset visibly in the movie because when he sits around the like copy room and they're doing that like meeting of all the different departments they don't care they don't care about the political story they have more important things to report on yeah and so once he gets this fax he goes to their like investigative journalist and he's like i think i have something and recruits him to sort of help him with this story. But they do make them seem very sleazy. Correct. Yeah. And yeah, so they decide like to They're going to stake, stake out, out the, Gary Hart's. They're going to stake out the airport because oh, they right. know that she's arriving from Miami, so they just have to wait and see who comes in on this flight to DC. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What are we looking for? A woman pretty enough to leave your wife for?" Cackle, cackle. Um, so I think, I'm, and it's pretty from, obvious which women. From an <laughs> interview, what actually that was a little less uh, straightforward in real life. He originally picked the wrong woman, and then another, you know, at another time, then he he picked the right woman. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like looking up and down the airplane, going, "Which one of these women is sexy enough <laughs> for Gary Hart?" They stake out his house. Eventually, they do, and they have a photographer guy show up who's a doofus. Well, first they just see him, and then they get the photographer. Yes, and they eventually see Gary Hart leaving and going, coming and going with a woman multiple times. Mm -hmm. And they're like, aha, we'll just wait and get him. There's also, at some point, she goes in, and they don't see her come out. Right. Yes. So they decide, well, what what makes them decide now we're going to go get him? They get a photo? He gets N- he no. go- comes out and gets in his car and then he sees that they're there. Oh, yeah. So he gets out right. of his car and starts running. He goes through an alleyway. He, he sees them during the day in the car f- asleep and he's like, that's he weird that there are dudes right. in a car. He thinks it's from the Bush campaign following him. So because the car doesn't move. Oh, is that why they send the policy guy out the back? Right. Yeah. Okay. So they, so then he goes out to his car. So the movie makes it clear he has a back door that's not covered. So he starts the car to see if the other car will start as well. Once it does, he knows they're there for him because he's so smart, you guys. Yeah, he's 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 on top of it. a brilliant investigator. Turns off his car. 
slips behind his home. They run out of the car to sort of like follow him. And he's like, Sleazily follow him. Nice to see you, gentlemen. Like, how can I help you? Gary Hart. Oh, no. Where's this woman? Yeah. Where's the woman? (laughs) It's an exact (laughs) depiction of. And they're snapping too many photos of him. And it's very uncomfortable. And he, you know, he says, like, there's no woman here. And. But also, what woman? And also, no, she doesn't work for the campaign. And, and even if she was, so what? It's not your business. <laughs> and how dare you? And you should be above this. And Yeah, you should be cool like me. Then he pieces out. And then he immediately calls his campaign people and are like, get over here. Yeah. We got a problem. And so then they rush, you know, to their hotel or wherever they're supposed to be staying and yeah. talk on the phone to the editor of the Miami Herald and like this "This is our story and we have to publish it now and we can justify that we were there because when he had originally been confronted by AJ about the phone call he said you know my life is boring follow me you know you'll be bored right and that was he talks about this in the book as well that there's sort of over time grown this mythology that this all happened because Gary Hart said you know, if you want to find out if there's anything going on, go ahead and follow me, yeah. which he said to the post guy. Yeah. Um, and so it's, they justify it. And when the they, uh, right. And so then the Miami Herald justifies it. But in the minds of the citizenry, it all was sort of a, it, they conflated the two things. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That they had already decided to stake him out and then they didn't want to appear sleazy. So they retroactively were like, well, he told us to follow him. We were just doing what he said. Right. And at some point, the reporters call the post and are like can we quote this in our article that he said to follow us i don't think they even call the post i think they just say they're talking to their editor and they're like we can quote the post oh that's what it is you know because this was their story and we're just gonna say like this is why we did that yeah and they eventually are like well let's let's publish it let's not wait we're going for it and it's the end (laughs) it's not great and then yeah and then heart wiggles out of it by being like i have a back door i have a back door and donna rice says like nope Lift out the back door. I was only there for 30 minutes. I was just there to interview for a campaign spot. I'm a smart woman. Um, <laughs> How dare you? Let's see. What else? They have a female member of the campaign who goes mm-hmm. and sits with Donna Rice to briefly humanize her. Oh, right. So halfway through the movie, you finally get to see Donna Rice. She's mm-hmm. sitting on a couch. She's been being interviewed by J.K. Simmons, I believe. Yes, who's the campaign manager, campaign something or other for Gary Hart. He's the high muckety-muck. He's a guy. He's J.K. Simmons. does some things. And the woman's there, too. And I don't know her name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No. She's on the campaign, obviously. She's no Daisy. No. Um, She's just like an intern or something. She looks very young. Yeah, she is. Her job is to go But she's like a handler. I mean, they want yeah. her clearly to bond with Rice. Well, you got to have a woman, a woman there. Yeah. Yeah. There's but, two, I mean, there's he two women of, in this But he movie. sort of is like, you know, Mortal Kombat as like, finish her. Like, I've teed her up for you. And now you can swoop in and bond with her. And Tell her not to rat you know. on me, basically. Oh, Bill, they're, they're at Bill Broadhurst's place, too. Bill Broadhurst is there. Right. Uh, party Billy. Billy, mm-hmm. Billy the party man is there with Donna Rice. They, they talk, they, the, the handler and Donna Rice talk, and Donna's like, you thought I was dumb, but actually I'm very smart. And they're like, yes, you are. Let's have some wine. No, that's later. Later, she and the lady are alone, and that's when yeah. they have that conversation. The lady, Daisy, the not Daisy. Yeah, they bond, and then She says, I'm Donna. so pretty, nobody can believe that I'm smart. And the other lady says, well, I don't have that problem, but I could see why that's not great. I mean, they yeah. sort of manipulate her into thinking that the story was her idea like 
everyone else is questioning why you were there. Everyone else just thinks that you're a pretty bimbo. I know you're smart. You should be able to tell people like, no, this is, you know, wasn't what you think it was Mm -hmm. for your own reputation. Um, And so, I mean, in my mind, (laughs) that's why she told the story she did. Sure. And she also sort of, I mean, she she's presented as a a weak character mm-hmm. oh yeah um, she also at the end of it is like at the end of their conversation it's like do you think i could get a job yeah she's like eh, you're very qualified eh. <laughs> <laughs> you were very qualified because you told me your entire schooling history mm-hmm. to prove how smart you are uh there's another female character briefly introduced the female reporter who confronts aj and is like actually it would be this is bad because uh, Gary Hart is in a position of power over Donna Rice. and Well, it... she's the one who keeps pushing the Post to report on these things yes. when they don't want to. And AJ's all like, dude, why are you such a bitch? Don't be so... Be like, cool. Why Why do you hate this dude? She was played by an actress I recognized, too. And she gives a little... Was it? Gives a little 20-second speech of like... He's in a position of power. He's in a position of power. He took advantage of that. and That's he's... relevant to us. <laughs> and he's the only one who will be able to wiggle out of this. She'll never be able to wiggle out of it. And AJ's like... Ugh. But, like, I mean, she does make the point, like, you know, that is why it's our responsibility to report on it. Like, that yeah. is journalism. And the movie frames her as a horrible shrew. Yeah. Except, yes, I mean, does. except for that. <laughs> I mean, it gives her that sort of redeeming speech, but it's, like, it's very, like, but like okay, but we, even we understand like, your opinion, but also you're wrong. Yeah. Because, because the Miami Herald is so, such a bad actor in this. Yeah, right. So, in the early 80s. I was a person and <laughs> what? I had a job and I had a boss who was a stereotype. And I think that they painted that woman as that mm. 80s stereotype of a woman who, ugh, I'm going to say terrible things. That <laughs> you don't this, have to, just this, to clarify. Well, the stereotype is that a woman who wants to be in a position of power becomes this horrible bitchy person the devil wears prada they say right unlike a man who can yell at people is and, ambitious yeah and demanding. yeah james carville type he has high standards james carville <laughs> well fake billy bob third yeah yeah it's that problematic and that this movie's from 2018 it yeah. shouldn't need to do that no but i think it's because it's I well, that's that's, that's a what, whole other. But issue it was a we'll stereotype in the eighties, right? It what I'm saying is, I think then, it's or now the director. Oh right, 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 <laughs> yeah, right. right. Oh yeah, that's yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, well, this this conversation between AJ and the female reporter was where I went. This movie was written by a man. I can tell without looking, and yes. then I looked and I was like, yes, no <laughs> had, women were involved in writing no, this. Absolutely, speech. I had at, right around the point where the two women were talking. I had the exact same reaction was like women didn't write this there's this is ladies be talking like this written by a man <laughs> directed by a man it was actually written by like three guys yeah and dire- directed by ivan reitman it's uh-huh. like mm-hmm. the women don't no. even exist in His this son. movie no it wasn't ivan reitman no it's it was jason reitman? jason reitman okay yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yucky um but also boring <laughs> <laughs> it was not as entertaining as primary colors yeah there's it's and it was a little bit less racist let me think sure. about that well sure. it didn't have as many it, racial stereotypes it didn't have, yeah it was yeah. more sexist than racist yes <laughs> yes it, i think it ignored well, i think it, it ignored more, the bechdel test it wasn't they more it. sexist than primary colors but as standalone it was more sexist than racist Yes. Well, it was less racist than Primary Color because it had less... It had fewer, fewer black people of color. And the ones that were there were The good guys. ...stereotypes that I can think of right now if I didn't think very hard about it. No. 
AJ was not a stereotype. Was I there... almost I almost wonder if that's why they made him black. Right. I yeah, thought about I that too. Yeah, I think so for sure cuz otherwise there would be no people of color at all, right? Yeah. Right. And I don't think that the character he is most based on was a black I wouldn't man. think so if it's 1980s and There were black reporters. Oh, there were, but were Obviously they... <laughs> because in in the book Primary Colors he says the black reporter asked a question. <laughs> right. So there must have existed. Yeah. But yeah, so later the post gets new photos mailed to them um that are photos of heart with another woman and they're because some senator thought that he was sleeping with his wife and had him followed and it turned mm-hmm. out he's not sleeping with his wife but some other lady he is sleeping <laughs> with some lady and so did they ever show the pictures from the monkey business in the movie I don't no because so. that was, was like a famous because picture. right i think they conflated the two for the movie because in the monkey business thing it's all uncovered through the miami herald following him and that's how the story comes out um, because they really embarrass the Miami Herald, you know, when she says, like, I left after 30 minutes and he goes on, Ted Koppel sort of reads him the riot act and is like, well, you didn't know, right? Like, oh, that's how, right how dare sure. you? And he's sort of blubbering and is like, well, I mean, and his editor, when he confronts him at the, whatever that like newspaper sort of gala is, is like, well, we stand by the essential <laughs> truth yeah, of like, the picture. Oh, well, well, well. Yeah. So he really wiggles out of it. And then when it shows like, oh no, but he definitely had... This, you know, yeah, in flagrante There's, moment. I mean, the, 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 to me, sadly funny part of this is this movie goes to great lengths to have Gary Hart get the chance and his campaign to get the chance to be like, you guys don't know the real story, newspaper guys. You guys didn't do your reporting. You didn't get the facts straight. This is all about, but it's also like, yeah, but it, we know it's true. But also, like, it is also all accurate. Again, it apologizes for it in that even when the story comes out and the reason the Washington Post runs with the news story is because they say, you know, if we don't run with this, someone else will. Right. And then the story will be about why we're not reporting on it. And therefore, it's news. And it, again, like just sort of blames the media for why this came out versus the fact that yeah. gary hart slept with a woman who wasn't his wife the insane, it's just the <laughs> insane part to me is in real life if i was watching this on if i saw on tv gary it's, it's not that he slept with his slept with a woman who's not his wife it's that he lied, lied about, about it and also felt like but again it's not it's not his moral failing you know, that's not like he didn't deserve a comeuppance. Like it's the media's fault right. for reporting on it. It's just the insane part to me is that in real life, if I saw a politician being like, well, you think you, you're saying these lies about me, blah, blah, blah. I, I mean, I guess there's a world, maybe not this year, but like where I'd be like, oh, well, I wonder if they did do the reporting right. Mm-hmm. But in the framing of this movie, he's giving this big speech to the Mi- Miami Herald being like, you don't really know the real story and you guys are liars. And, and like, he, you, we know he's know, lying. I know it's the real story. And he's just giving this big blustery speech and that I know is purely like a heroic right. moment. Like He's yeah. finally telling him off. And it's like, everything he's saying is a lie. Yeah, but look at how good he is. He put them in his place and like... But yeah, it's like, this is insane to frame it this way. And so then, you know, the Washington Post does its due diligence by trying to get a comment from (laughs) him. So while he's giving a press conference on something, one of the four E's, (laughs) um, AJ, poor, poor AJ, who just really, you can tell this is hurting him. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to ask it, but it's his job. So he asks like a series of leading questions about, you know, have you ever been unfaithful? And do you think that you know, having an affair is being immoral. And then 
He's like, that's the end of that campaign over because he got caught in like contradicting himself about, yes, adultery is immoral, but how dare you ask me if I've ever committed adultery? Mm -hmm. There's a B plot in this movie, which we haven't commented on because it has no relevance to any of the story, which is that there's a number of scenes following Gary Hart's wife and his daughter at their house with some doofus intern who shows up to play cards with them. He's a handler. Um, and is, they're being harassed by the They're being harassed media. by the horrible uh, media. Yep, another just bad media. This, this shot. I think, as far as I can tell, based on the way that this is portrayed, is purely because they're like, well, it's 2018. We can't not have the wife in this movie, but nothing she I, does or says has any impact no, on anything that happens. No, I think happened. it's even worse than that. The reason for that scene is to show what a good guy Gary Hart is because it shows that uh, in this whole affair, the only thing he cares about is whether or not his wife is hurt. And mm-hmm. that's really the only person who should care about the affair is the person who's in the marriage. And so he cares enough to send this guy to go there and support mm-hmm. his wife and, you know, be there and like sort of secure the perimeter, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and and look what a good guy he is and look at the poor media harassing his wife and how dare they. Like that, I think it's even more cynical than what you're portraying Every as. scene with women in this movie where they're the focus of the scene with his wife with the donna donna rice donna rice with the female reporter every single scene because of the way it's framed and the writing to me felt like whoever's making this movie feels obligated to put the scene in here somebody told them they have to have a scene with the wife so this is what that's in here and it fills time but it has no it has no consequence on the story and it has no consequence on the characters that actually the movie cares about because Gary Hart never is impacted by the conversations with Donna Rice or this reporter. Or I think wife. the movie is trying very carefully to not be accused of sexism. <laughs> right. Because it That's doesn't it ever make any of the women into, well, the main women into yeah. bimbos. It makes them all strong and like smart. They don't and they do have, anything. They have, you know. <laughs> but they could. Identities-ish. You know what? It reminds me of um, the Congress in that you got a male voice trying to explain mm-hmm. why a strong woman would do right. this. What, try to speak as yeah. a as a woman in yeah. in this movie. They're actually at least in the Congress, the woman never spoke, so <laughs> they weren't putting words in her mouth. They were just putting words around her to yeah, describe her. her to describe her situation. <laughs> Whereas in this movie, they're actually putting words in women's mouths, but none of the women actually feel like any they exist. This is. I felt this was worse than the Congress because in the con- in Congress, although it's very bad, the movie is trying to comment on women in this world. In this movie, this movie has seems although this movie is about a sex scandal and adultery, it feels like they don't have anything to say about women. It's not. That's it's about thing. how the press ruined everything, and we can never have a good candidate because the press won't mind its own business. Yeah, but if only a... we'd have a president with sex scandals where they still got elected. Well, here's the thing. I mean, this is what something scratching at the back of my mind about the whole concept of a sex scandal. It never has a woman in it. I no, mean, a sex scandal not. is a guy did a a guy a powerful man did something. That they shouldn't have. Maybe. <laughs> and, it, and it involved sex. There's never a, an, actually another human it, it's being. It's a candidate involved sexing. <laughs> right. Donald Rice was... They're the, involved in a sex event of some kind. <laughs> right. Gary Hart was involved in a sex event. Donna Rice is the name that we put on mm-hmm. the sex event. Mm-hmm. It's She's not an actual human being. Gary Hart is the only human being involved in this <laughs> situation. 
And it's like, that's all of them. And that's not just like in this movie. That's like all sex scandals of all time. All the Clinton sex scandals. <laughs> Movies and real life. Right. And yeah, across the board. Right. Well, even worse, and I don't know if this is something you guys came across, but that more recently it has been sort of hypothesized that Donna Rice was a plant by the Bush campaign oh, because of that's... his CIA sort of Aha! stuff. And can you imagine if that sort of theory had come out when this movie was like being made? Yeah. Like that's all it would have been about is how horrible she was and how mm-hmm. this poor man was set up and he was tricked into having an affair. Yeah. Even though clearly right. his character had done this before. Ugh, so Yeah, and, and and both this movie and Primary Colors and half the movies we watch, the implication the through line here is that it's ac- it's accidental. Or they've done it in the past, but there's no way they can change their behavior now. Everybody else kind of has to bend around this aspect of their personality. It's just how the world works. It's just how the candidates are. Everybody does it. The press's job is to leave them alone because there's nothing they can do about it. The other thing is that we, in all of these movies, the candidates or governors or senators or whoever the central male character is, is so important that all the people around them... Couldn't pick another candidate because they're all bad. No, no, it's no, no. The... I mean, all the people around them, their whole life is about lifting this guy up, making sure nobody finds out what a rotten guy he is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it was true of all the king's men. Uh-huh. It was true of the Ides of March. It was true of uh, Face in the Crowd. Also, all of these movies, I mean, these movies are all the same. All these movies are about a main character who goes in idealistic comes out completely cynical who oh and, you mean the narrator yeah the narrator in each of these they come in idealistic they come out cynical but they absolutely never decide that they were wrong that they were right to be idealistic or wrong right. yeah they never actually no no they become a realist yes that's what it is they always come around so, to it for some reason end. that just reminded me of michael cohen and his oh, testimony yeah. is like, but he was never an idealist. No, absolutely not. Or maybe he was a certain type of idealist. He idea, idealized. I don't get that impression. No, no, no. Like he idealized Trump. bad things. Yeah. Like, maybe, yeah. Like his ideal was No, he likes getting million, away with things and, <laughs> and being fun. able to verbally abuse and manipulate other people on behalf of this powerful man. So yeah. it's hard he had to, power. It's hard to yeah. say that he became cynical because he was never, but he became disillusioned. He realized that it doesn't pay off. It didn't pay off for him. Didn't pay off for him. Yeah. Uh, but there's something really weird about his testimony in that he didn't have anything to gain from it. And all those guys do. Maybe is, just attention. They like, only ever it. do things for gain. So mm-hmm. he must be gaining something. Sure. Well, and if you think about it, maybe what he's gaining is he, the power of self-respect. Yeah. <laughs> power. <laughs> I mean, he, Michael Cohen yeah. earned the power of self-respect. Well, he went from hated to like. No, no. I mean his own self-respect. Oh, yeah. sure. But I was like, I don't he know. Has I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying. And I'm just saying. He went from hated to like kind of a comical character. Mm. I would say he is. He is better. I'm not talking. No, I'm saying he... what did he have to gain? And possibly what he had to gain was assuming he had a true. <laughs> I don't think he did, but no, if, as, if he, if, if he as a human being had a true revelation, mm-hmm. then what he could have had to gain, and I don't think this is true, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, just throwing this just out there. Another, what he would have had to gain from doing, from testifying in a scenario where he had nothing to gain would be personal, something personal for himself. The thing, yeah, the thing that drives me crazy with each of these stories is that 
the moral lesson of every single one of these things we watched is, yeah, the candidates are rotten. Yeah, it sucks, but it's for the greater good. And they're and only the rotten is, in the way they're only rotten in these ways yeah, that don't matter. Yeah, not in a, not in a big deal. But they're the, just right. women abusers, but and that's all right. The yeah. ending is always it's for the greater good. But the movies never go even one second past that point to be like, and then the greater good was accomplished because they never right. lay out. I mean, it's policy or whatever. They never actually lay out what somebody so a good thing they want to do that then can be accomplished. But it doesn't by even matter, even if they laid out all those things. It doesn't matter. That's the point. Like these movies talk about sex scandals as if they're a victimless crime right. as if it is that's exactly yeah right, right, right. and it's and it's sort of like who cares who this person is sleeping with because it's only this versus this person wants to be the leader of the free world and cannot put on hold in their life for a moment banging someone else like yeah. that is a someone judgment that is a judgment issue he could have banged his wife right. that would be fine. <laughs> right like it's and it's just it's mind-blowing to me that like that ha- is how it should be talked about well like, but here's the th- other... it's an impulse control <laughs> no, issue no but here's yeah. the other part of it this is a person that we're going to elect to make policy for everyone in america mm-hmm. 50% of whom are women mm-hmm. but this is a person who has shown demonstrably shown doesn't actually think of women as people Right. But I just mean in the more generic term with any <laughs> candidate who has like an affair, like the idea that it can be dismissed as it's just an affair versus a judgment issue. Like if someone who knows the stakes of what they're entering into and cannot stop themselves from right. having an affair, that's a judgment issue. I think, and well, that is relevant. I, I think there may, <laughs> I agree. there may be something potentially different from between Gary Hart and Clinton. I think Clinton sure. had impulse, has He's still alive. Yeah. Probably still has them. Impulse yeah. issues. Gary Hart, it's possible he and his wife had, had an some kind of, you know. Not in this implicit, movie. But... Well, no. I mean. Maybe not even explicit. But, you know. I mean, they're still together. Yeah. Sure. And Who she, knows? they, you know, they are growing old together. Mm-hmm. She's still there. And she knows for a fact that he has had multiple affairs. Yeah. So it is entirely possible. And Donna Rice was not assaulted. She was. Yeah, it was a consensual. It was a consensual. She wasn't even in a power relationship. The thing I'm trying to say, I agree with both of you on both your points. The thing that I think that these movies and this these plot lines expose for me is this contradiction that cheating on that these politicians cheating on their wife is a bad thing. This is a bad thing, and. Anybody who's involved in politics will ultimately become cynical because everybody who's involved in politics is, is bad. Is bad, right? And then the movie also follows that up by saying, "But it's actually it's worth it. All these sacrifices and all this bad behavior is worth it." The end. And it never finishes that sentence. There's never a follow up where it's like at the end of Primary Colors where he gets elected and then he's like, "On my first day in office, I'm going to enact something reform." And and uh, you see. Uh, Henry be like, you know, to have to think about, oh, I made these sacrifices, but it was worth it. He just makes the sacrifices and the implication is that later there's some payoff for that. But in real life, there's very little payoff for any of this. They just are bad. It's always bad. Everybody makes the sacrifices. And then you decide for yourself if it was worth it or not. But the movies always imply that it is there is a sacrifice worth it and never show you any payoff. Right. They never make a sacrifice in return for something good later. They never sacrifice their morals so that the world is a better place. They sacrifice their role, their morals for the 
suggestion that the world could be a better right, place. That, they could be, that their party's the best and they have their policies will help people <laughs> once they get elected. So and let's then, work on getting elected first. And I think that is an accurate representation of how politics is reflected for us. But it is a little crazy when you have to think about it that way, where it's like the implication is that Gary Hart and Jarrett or Jack Cl- Stanton, Jack Stanton <laughs> and Clinton, people in real life and fate is that they're so smart and so qualified that the things that they do that are wrong are worth the sacrifice to get this person who's so good in a position of power. What are they trying to tell us about politics? It's clearly it's all bad, but then what's the upside? Right. No, that definitely, I definitely felt like I was going insane after reading all of those books about campaigns. Cause it's like, why do you people do this? This is awful. Everybody's depressed. Everything that happens is bad. Everyone that they, you throw your, your weight behind is a terrible person. And then like, they get elected and do they, is it worth any of this? Are there like a, is Bill Clinton so great that it was worth putting up with all this No, in fact, he wasn't great at all. (laughs) Right. Like it was Gary, I mean, Gary Hart, the implication is he would have been great if only. But but everybody would have been great. Right. There's no, you never know. Did we, did we, has he been great since then? Have we had a great president? Was Obama great? It makes me question everyone. Well, I mean, that's (laughs) the whole point that this, I mean, it's all relative, right? It's that it it could have been worse. I guess so. where we all get to. And that's why it justifies it. But Clinton, when he was president, he compromised a lot to, yeah. to keep to stay popular, and yeah. not in ways that a liberal but, Democrat but would why necessarily. But hang on. With. But if Bush had won a second term, would he have been worse? Yes. So right, like that you. I don't know. But it's would, <laughs> But why didn't Clinton compromise in his personal life in right. a way that would make everyone who live, was in his life happier? Well, and that's I mean, the other thing. Not only he might have been, he well, might have been sleeping with half of the women yeah, that he wanted to. Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe well, there was I like... mean, it's entirely possible that the, he compromised as much as he did because his personal life interfered with his ability to do more. You know what? Because I... His personal life got him impeached. Yeah. And once after being impeached, not he wasn't impeached all the way, so he was still president. Got impeached. You know, that definitely affected how he executed his presidency. Can I share a quick anecdote about sure. Clinton that I always think of, and it's just been stuck on my brain forever? When I was in high school, I used to, I got a download at some point, a recording of all the old episodes of Loveline that had Adam Carolla and <laughs> oh Dr. Gerard. Yeah. I'd listen to them all day while I was working or, or staying up late or whatever. Um, which is funny because I think Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew have both become really trash people yeah. <laughs> since then. 100%. But, but I used to love those those old... I think Adam Carolla always was. was always a trash person. Yeah, but he was, I think, listening to old love lines at least, it came across like he really cared about the people calling oh, him. Oh, yeah. He may have had terrible views, but like I think that his, the things Maybe he would don't. do on love line, <laughs> the things he would do on love line, I think were really helpful for people. There was an episode, and the, I'm listening... You know, it's like 2003. I'm listening to episodes from 1990-whatever where they are... the Bill Clinton's autobiography has just come out and Dr. Drew has read it and Adam's, like, asking him about it. And he's like... he And he's saying, like, I read this book and Bill Clinton is like, he has serious issues that come out through this book. He's like a sex addict. I can He has, like, serious addiction problems that are expressed and he had this terrible upbringing. And they kind of laugh it off. And years later now I'm thinking, like, I think he was total. I think he's one hundred percent right in retrospect of because this was probably during the Clinton or just after he he you know ended his well ninety two to ninety six to 
Yeah, because I don't remember when this. I don't know when his autobiography came out, but I'm like, oh man, yeah, he was probably a mess. That would explain a lot, wouldn't it? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I just always think of that when we're watching Primary Colors or Clinton comes up, where I'm like, huh. And that came at like somebody reading this book would have picked this up. I can't. I can't think of Clinton without thinking about somebody reading his book and being like, oh, this guy's really got some problems he needs to work out. (laughs) Right. Slow Burn is the same. I, I re-listened to the second season of Slow Burn this mm-hmm. week. It's like eight episodes, and it's all about the Monica Lewinsky. I'm not going to call it that. It's all about the Clinton. I don't know. What's the best way to refer to it? It shouldn't be her. She shouldn't be the I mean, you can one. say scandal. The, it's the simplest Clinton way. Clinton scandal. Yeah, it's something. The, the impeachment scandal. Yeah, the impeachment scandal. I just, just don't want her to be the <laughs> focus of it. Right, because um, it makes it her fault. Right, it's not yeah, her fault. But if you listen to it, you know, he interviews... What's her name? Trip, Linda. Linda mm-hmm. Trip. Monica Lewinsky would not agree to be interviewed, but he, you know, he talks to a lot of people. Uh, he goes into all the details of the history and what you know the different things that happened. And the end, the last episode is about the rape allegation that never went anywhere, mm-hmm. but was extremely credible. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. that was our president, man. Yeah, current president. And they knew it before he was elected. The people around him knew he was had those problems, Same and they thing still. Now. That wasn't important to them. Yep. Yeah. That same true with uh, oh yeah 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 uh, Ivana. Same same thing. That was in her book and very credible. I would say didn't he, that one didn't even get any traction. But also he was nothing. Like n- nobody really cared about this dude. He was just sort of a yeah. buffoon who was occasionally. You mean Trump? Yes. <laughs> occasionally <laughs> guest appearances and he who shall not things. be things exactly. But <laughs> didn't didn't make any impact on his ability to win. Nope. One That's why I'm voting for Howard Schultz. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> at, at least we'll always have a good cup of coffee. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh no, I hate Starbucks. Yeah. Wait a minute. Even apart from how bad the story was told in front the front runner, mm-hmm. is also just I had such a bad problem with the um, volume of the movie. Did anybody else have a problem hearing what all the actors were saying to each other? They did a this, lot of whispering. This is the first movie I've had to turn on the closed caption I for myself. I, I think I had subtitles mm-hmm. on. Yeah, and I just was like, because what are they saying? And there were like these quips that they would give each other, like Aaron Sorkin style humorous, you know, back and forths that the campaign staff mm-hmm. would all give. And you couldn't hear half of it. And it was just like, oh, that's a funny line. Like, but if I didn't have the closed caption on, I would have no idea what half this dialogue was. It was such a poorly made movie in that respect as well. <laughs> like, just overall bad. I, I was talking to my coworker this week before I watched the movie, and I mentioned, oh, I'm going to watch The Front Runner for this this podcast. And she was like, oh, uh, I sort of vaguely remember that. It was supposed to be good, right? And I was like, I don't know. So then I went and looked up Rotten Tomatoes, and it was like kind of middling reviews. Yeah. And so I was going in, and and a lot of the negative reviews were like, it's kind of a confusing mess. Like, it's the acting's good, but it doesn't really know what it's going to say. And I was actually, like, going in with that expectation. I think it went under that, where I was like, well, it's not a confusing mess. It's very boring and also sexist. Yeah, it's just... It's just just not good. it, It has a point of view, and it is a bad point of view. Yeah. The acting is great, Everybody in it did a great job with what they yeah. were given, but I didn't like but, it. It, yeah. it wasn't the most boring movie we've seen, though. No. no. Although, like, but that's a real low bar. <laughs> I'm going to forget <laughs> it entirely because I don't think there's a single standout scene in this movie. Mm-mm. There's nothing I could grab onto. But it's another movie where it's like, 
take a drink every time you recognize an actor and yeah it's much more fun to watch i much love being in political movies because everybody they can get everybody yeah. in that they, actually the one scene that'll go carry with me the one thing i'll remember is the airplane scene because it was so dumb the turbulence part uh-huh mm. but that's the only scene where i actually like i caught for a minute and i'm like what oh they're really making him out to be a, such a good guy he's right. so cool and heroic and then the movie <laughs> just kind of like just disappears out of my brain after that because he's from you know nature and i guess because he, th- he throws an axe too yeah he does throw oh, an axe kind of very impressive i assume he must have really done that yes he really did that those were real but that, i mean did hugh jackman do that scene was oh. that him actually throwing it that's what i, I was like eh, yeah. maybe or maybe his digital axe. possibly i mean he's from australia yeah. isn't he like <laughs> i'm sure they just throw all do that in australia right? <laughs> isn't that like the wilderness or something <laughs> they don't have cities there right they have knives <laughs> Spider. lots of spiders they have knifey spoonie <laughs> yeah kangaroos <laughs> and whatnot <laughs> Yeah, I can't so. talk about the front runner anymore. <laughs> Nothing happens in this movie. He, the scandal derails his campaign. It's clear that that's not good, and that it's actually all the media's fault. His wife forgives him in the end. Right. I can't recommend any of the either movie or I. Actually, the front runner book is interesting because okay. it talks more about it. It doesn't have the it. same perspective yeah. that the movie has, and it had some interesting things to say. I can't recommend the book. Primary colors. It, I mean, I started. I started, I audibled it. I started mm-hmm. listening to it. Thankfully, it was, the main character is a black man. Thankfully, they got a black uh, <laughs> voice, actor. Vo- voice actor, and he was yeah. very good, because otherwise, it would have been a travesty, <laughs> uh, basically. And uh, I started listening to it, and it was just, there was too much sexism and too much, it was too much, too much everywhere. stereotypes, and so I quit, and then I was reading the plot on the uh, you know mm-hmm. on the wiki page i'm like that happens that's gonna happen so i Uh-oh. started listening to it again and it, <laughs> a lot happened a lot of things happened it was still a gross book but and as i told both of you i am a big john travolta fan not in a like i actually think he is sometimes a really good actor but i like him in the way that i like nicholas cage right. sure. i think he's okay. a crazy actor he's gone insane and he's got he's does wild performances and i love seeing him so He's really not that interesting in Primary Colors. No. He he just, he's just doing a Clinton impression. But he's not even doing like a fun... It's not over the top. It's like He wasn't really as subdued. charming as real Clinton. Yeah, that's right. He's very subdued Clinton. Whereas like, actual John Travolta is as charming in it as actual yeah. Clinton. And John Travolta is, seems like a really crazy person in interviews and stuff, but like... Yeah, that's a... John Travolta is kind of a weird one because he, he, he had the... He was on Welcome Back, Cotter, mm-hmm. a show that was very popular, and I mm-hmm. watched it. And he was like a skinny, watched, basically, runs. <laughs> basically a skinny teen, mm-hmm. and then uh, got really super famous. Mm-hmm. He for, could dance and sing. And he could dance and sing. Which and is cool. Then he went into like his stately period, which mm-hmm. I think Primary Colors probably comes right in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, was post-Pulp right 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 post Fiction. Right. Pulp Fiction was maybe one of his more triumphant That was almost parts. his like, comeback. Yeah, movie. that was. Wasn't he in, uh, what's that one, the one with all the actors that you love so much? It definitely has John Travolta in it. And I think it's the one where Holly Berry shows her breasts. Oh, oh Swordfish. That's on his, that's when <laughs> That's on the tail down. Yeah, that is very early in his, like, just drop. That's like when Hugh Jackman is in a movie with him. It yes. links it together to this podcast. <laughs> one Degree love of Separation. Um, yeah, after this, because um, we're- Oh, Hugh Jackman it. can dance and sing, too. Yeah. Yeah, and they he's, have a lot and he's very charismatic, but he hasn't fallen from grace. No. Uh, John Travolta, after Primary Colors, was in um, 
Broken Arrow and Face Off, two movies that I adore. Love and yeah, love. Those are great movies. And then he's in Battlefield Earth because he's using all of his Worst clout. movie of all time. <laughs> and after that, it is just a string of disasters with Hairspray being the one good movie in there. Um, and then I, a lot of there's a lot of bad later Travolta movies that I have a lot of fondness for, but they're all bad. And now he does direct-to-video uh, stuff. He has fully Nicolas Caged himself now. On my other podcast, we watched a movie called I Am Wrath that was a bad uh death wish knockoff oh, of no. john travolta that was direct to video <laughs> yeah he's just completely fallen off the map which is too bad because he's still very charismatic but he has a, his face is weird now kind of yeah. like uh, sylvester yeah. stallone has kind of a weird plastic face. surgery yeah. Issues. Mm-hmm. yeah and he had he had personal trauma in his life so mm-hmm. i suspect that probably has part to do with it too i don't yeah. think he lost all his money like nicholas cage he didn't buy a pyramid or whatever <laughs> Did you buy like a T-Rex head or something like that? Probably. And I had to return like, it? I like Nicolas Cage. I, I would oh, put him too. above uh, John Travolta in my likes if I had to rate them. I think Nicolas Cage is a better actor, but Plus, I Nicolas like Cage them both was in, in uh, you know, Into the Spider-Verse. That's true. But you know, if John Travolta was Into the Spider-Verse, I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, I would have thought that would have been really too. fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. guess we're plugging that. Go see I, into I the would 100% yeah. plug into the Spider-Verse. That <laughs> don't, was a, don't know if you need us to tell you that. We but. just watched it <laughs> again, and it was oh, still good. so good. Yeah. John Mulaney is wonderful. Uh, I was sick late, recently, and I watched Mad Max Fury Road again. Okay. Oh, what a great movie. So are we moving on to plugs then? Might I don't well. want to talk about the front runner anymore. <laughs> I'm done. I'm pulling the plug on the front runner. Yeah, it's I, bad. Don't watch it. I was going to... S- kind of try to list all of the campaign movies we've watched because there have been a lot can you from do the it i'd beginning. be impressed no we watched two all the king's men's someone <laughs> so should do we it. watched the ides of march we watched uh oh, the ides of march oh. also on a side note not campaign movies so the movie um primary colors was directed by mike nichols mm-hmm. and we have watched another movie for this podcast directed by mike nichols uh charlie wilson's war mm-hmm and the other thing, you know, these two movies, one was obviously written by men. The other one was written by, a, the screenplay at least, was written by a woman from a book by a man. Primary Colors was written by Elaine May. And the interesting thing about that is Mike Nichols and Elaine May, when they were young, were a comedy duo together called Nichols and May for like <laughs> 20 years. Well, a lot of the reviews and stuff I saw of Primary Colors called it a satire, which I did not get at all. No, the book's not a satire either. It is... More of a that makes me feel like how naive the critics are at the time. <laughs> yeah, right. Not realize like, no, this is this is how it is. Right. This is me. This like is Bob me Roberts. Com- <laughs> I think Bob Roberts. Well, that was satire. more yes. of a satire. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm looking back on fonder times that everybody thought like, no, that's got to be that's satire. Wild. <laughs> oh, Bob Roberts. That's a campaign movie. Yeah. We watched Game Change. That's a campaign movie. That's right. What did we watch against uh, Ides of March? What was the Oh, you can't ask me a question like that. <laughs> yeah, I got it nothing. was an older movie. No it was way. a long time ago. Was it, was it advising consent? No, that was Contender. I couldn't tell you anything about the Ides of March except it had George Clooney. It had ex- it's the exact same movie as The Front Runner. Yeah. The are... same movie. And exactly. Are, none of them are good. That's no, the other thing. The good movies aren't good. All of these movies, the very structure of it is boring. Well, the original All the King's Men was what, won an Academy Award and was a pretty good movie. Yeah, the it's probably the best one. The the remake with Sean Penn was bad. Yeah, it had, had uh, Tony Soprano in it. Yeah. That's what I remember. <laughs> Me falls in the mud, and they all laugh at me. 
See, I remember so, one scene. Definitely more modern movies about campaigns are bad. Can you imagine, can you reflect on the fact that in this season of this podcast, we had an advertisement on the flop house over a year ago. Oh, you're right. <laughs> There's an advertisement for this podcast so long ago. I couldn't tell you when it was or what episode it was on. But it definitely was on there. Gabriel I over the White it. House. <laughs> that was in years ago. Oh, it was before Gabriel over the White House. Because I, I, in the advertisement copy you that I wrote, it. I mentioned that we are going to watch Gabriel uh-huh. over the White House. How long House. ago it was. Yeah. It was a long time ago. A whole nother life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the people who made the front runner, the writers and directors, most of them went on to game to make House of Cards. Okay. Or they're writers on House of Cards. They didn't go on to... Yeah, I guess they were. They must have been doing it, which is kind of funny because House of Cards. You can definitely see the relationship, but like House of Cards is completely cynical. I've never seen it. This is cynical about the press, but the candidate is meant to be a good guy. So typically, we talk about current events. We have sort of done that a little bit. Yeah, and also I don't want to talk about the current events it's, that are going on. Everything's crazy. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just. I mean, that's we talk about Michael. Everything Cohen. being crazy is the norm. Standard. So. Yeah. I mentioned this, I have to say it on mic. Donald Trump, I don't think, has called out AOC by name yet. Right, you do have to say that. We're a twofer on this side. <laughs> yeah, this is month three. Oh um, my gosh, so Trump Jr. did, and I mm-hmm. like freaked out when I saw the <laughs> tweet because I thought it was Trump. You and thought I was it like, was the one. And I was like, oh my God, Jacob wins. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, okay, it's no. just Jr., just Mm-mm. kidding. <laughs> I think it'll happen eventually, but I just, he's... They Not talked about her at CPAC, though. Yeah. They, she was one of their, she was like the main oh, event yeah. at CPAC. I mean, all the conservatives talk about her. All the time. It's, That's yeah. all Fox News does. It's just that Trump hasn't. Did you see the video they played at CPAC where they had, you know, they did the thing where it was like the washed out slow motion, but it was her dancing of like, They're still obsessed she's with coming this. for your hamburgers. Your hamburgers and your airplanes? Yep. Yep. You have to, everybody's going to have to take the train and eat, I don't know, chicken. I don't know what the thing is. I like the train. No, you don't. It's bad. I love riding the train. That's because you're a socialist. Yeah, I yeah. am a socialist. Or libertarian. Oh my gosh. And, and I mean, trains. Hannity was almost a parody of himself when he was freaking out about it. Because mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, they want to make sure everybody has a job and health care yeah, and can afford to eat food and, and no. you know pay their bills. And then they want to make sure that no one has a private jet. And he was saying <laughs> it as if everyone in his audience owned well, a private jet. <laughs> and it just was like... How out of touch are you that these are all the bad things that you say? Like, you're not even pretending to accuse her of, like, things she doesn't stand for. You just think that the things she stands for are bad. They're bad. Like, it was nuts. It was nuts. nuts. (laughs) But what's really nuts about that, and it isn't at all, is that the people listening to him don't have private jets, but they don't think that's crazy. No. They don't listen to that and go, well, that doesn't, wait, but I do want those things. I mean, and I, I think don't some have of them are probably confused and were waiting yeah. for the punchline and it never came. I don't think they realized, like, why it didn't come. I mean, that's why she's so popular. But yeah, but I think some of them probably were like, okay, guess we'll just wait for the next segment to, like, resonate again. She's popular because her policies are well liked. She's almost exclusively picked policies that people are in favor of. Mm-hmm. So, so that's current gonna... events. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it almost feels like not that much happened this week, except a whole lot happened. Uh, yeah. Wasn't Ma- Michael different. Cohen was this week, right? I think that Twice. was Monday. Ugh. I don't really want to talk about the Ilan Omar anti-Semitism. We talked about it a little bit stuff. in our last episode. Yeah, it's still it's ongoing. still going. Yeah. Megan McCain's mad that 
They're really so anti-Semitic towards She's her. She's the worst. Is Megan McCain Jewish? No. no. It doesn't matter. She doesn't care. No, she just wants something to be faux outraged about. Yeah, and she's she's been successful in that mm-hmm. regard. Yeah. Uh, For something it's... you didn't want to talk about, you certainly <laughs> brought it up. We're just well, out of nowhere. Right I do it. feel like, to at least place this in history, if this comes up again next month, we can talk about it. It's still going <laughs> Please on. Please let it be gone. I still, I think it's super weird. I actually had the Michael Cohen testimony on while yeah. I was working. I just Me had too. it on and listened to the whole thing. Most of it. I missed a few things. Um, but it seems super weird that that was this week. I this mm-hmm. feel, It feels like a lot longer ago than that. Like everything. It yeah. just seems like... But And, and at the because same time... Because it was time, only like the third weirdest thing that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. And then Trump coming back from Korea. No. Vietnam. Um, yeah. Early because of... He couldn't... Like, I don't know. Because he's bad. That's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's bad at his job. There's this... Yeah, there's like a million scandals. They're all, I feel like, slightly smaller than the big ones, but there were so many of them this week. And I was very disappointed. I didn't. Look, I haven't really been looking at the internet like for the last week or two. <laughs> oh I'm, well, then like, you're I'm fine. Worn, Don't do it. <laughs> I'm worn out. <laughs> Don't go back. But what's his face? Paul Manafort's Manafort. forty-seven months, uh-huh. insanely light <sighs> oh, sentence by the worst yeah. judge. Ugh. Uh huh. So, you know, that's just another like. Elections have consequences, like what happens when uh-huh. these guys get appointed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a bad judge. Not Judges great. shouldn't be bad. Mm, agreed. Be. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that's a very uncontroversial <laughs> position to take. Yeah. Yeah, that's all true. Okay. So anyway, mm-hmm. on the on the good side. Let's plug things. Let's plug things. I'm going to plug something that Jacob reminded me that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Last I night, remember. I think. Was it last night? <laughs> No, it? it must have been Thursday night. It was a podcast? Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, Blank Check with Griffin and David. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob texted me. Have you heard this? This is cool. Yeah, they're, this, this is Blank Check, and they're talking to uh, Paul, Paul F. Tompkins about uh, Mars, Attacks. Mars Attacks. That was part of it. And Mars Attacks is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, as it should um, be. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember. I used to listen to that. That's that podcast where they started with M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I didn't say that right. You were close. Shyamalan. 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 Uh, they basically, they do all the movies of a director who initially made something good and then basically had a blank check to make movies and not all of them. I know you love him. <laughs> Sorry, I was pouting over here. The audience. <laughs> they go through his movies one by one and they started with him because he's like kind of famously yeah, known for having made some great movies mm-hmm. and then some not so great movies. Fair. Um, in fact... They have a special episode because Glass came out, so they went back and talked mm. about Glass recently. Mm-hmm. But this, they started, it must have been years ago that they started it because they've years, done... Yeah. They do one a week. So. They did M. Night. They did uh, Spielberg. They're currently on Tim Burton, I think. Yeah, they're doing Tim Burton. That's why they were Mars talking Attacks. about Mars Attacks. But they also did, they have a really, I found, delightful episode where they talk about Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, and they, they're talking about Wreck-It Ralph because they're produce, it's one of their producer's favorite movies. Mm. Uh, he identifies very heavily with Ralph mm-hmm. personally. <laughs> he is Ralph, <laughs> okay. Funny. And and the new movie came out. The sequel, yeah, came out. Uh, and so, was that not good? I didn't see it. Uh, I don't know if it was good. I or heard not. it was not. Checks at least out. comparatively, it's but not by the Pixar. They spend the. It's a very high. long episode. It's over two hours long. <laughs> I shouldn't complain because we've already been talking for two hours. But yeah, that's right. Um, they go into great detail about Wreck-It Ralph, the first movie. 
Is it just called Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wreck-It Ralph is the first one. I loved it. That was a wonderful movie. Yeah, and they, they hit all of the reasons why it is such a wonderful movie from, you know, the visuals of the pixelated, you know, like when he hits the cake and it's smashed mm-hmm. and it's kind of pixelated. And I'll tell you why. I like Wreck-It Ralph. Story. Sarah Silverman's a Disney princess now, which I always <laughs> find delightful. Yeah. So anyway, I highly recommend Plank Check. And the guy that, Griffin, what's his last name? Newman. Griffin Newman. One of the hosts is the guy who plays Arthur on the new the tick. version of The Tick. Oh, excellent. Okay. And what's weird to me is that on The Tick, he is funny, but he's the straight man. But in real life, he's super funny and he's, like goofy. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I think comedy's hard. So Yeah. He's very, very funny in a way yeah. that doesn't, it's different than the character he plays. I think to be funny as the straight man is a skill. Yeah. So. And, he, and he does it well. Yeah. I guess I would also plug Slow Burn. It's very well done. Mm-hmm. And they cover stuff that we should know, things that people forgot from the from the past <laughs> that we really should be aware yeah. of. Mm. And also goes into the depth that things we didn't know when they happened, like Watergate and uh, the Clinton mm-hmm. impeachment scandal. Um, some of the details are like, oh, I didn't know that. And now <laughs> that I know it, I regret that I didn't know it before. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's a really good show. I'll do a really quick plug. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to plug, I love Hollywood Handbook. It's probably my favorite podcast I listen to, and I listen to every episode. <laughs> uh, but this week's episode, they had Weird Al on as the guest, and it's really, really, really funny. Hmm. Uh, so if you want to listen to a very funny podcast that has Weird Al on it, listen to this week's Hollywood <laughs> Handbook. And that's all I'll say. What's the podcast in general about? It's very, very weird. Okay. So I'll warn that ahead of time. The original premise which they've long since abandoned is that it's these two comedians they're both in real life comedy writers um but they pretend that they are both like hollywood elite Mm -hmm. and so usually they have a guest on and they talk about like oh we're gonna write the next avengers movie you know because we got tapped to do that and then they goof around uh, the Weird Al episode, the, first they say that at the beginning, this is the beginning of Try Month, where they're, for the first time in a while, they're going to actually try uh, <laughs> in their episodes. And the premise is, well, Weird Al, we're friends with a lot of famous people, like Coolio, like, uh, I forget all the names of people, and you've ruined their songs, um, because now anyone who goes to their concerts sings your versions over the real version. So we're going to do parody songs about you roasting you for how lame you are. Okay. Uh, it's very funny. All right. <laughs> and then they do that. That's what I recommend. Well, I have two things unless I spontaneously think of another one. The first is that watching The Front Runner um, reminded me that Vera from Miglia is, yeah. yeah. um, is a great actress. Mm-hmm. And if you never watched Bates Motel, you oh, should yeah. check it out. The TV series. The TV series, yeah. Sort of the prequel for Norman Bates. Mm-hmm. Um, was she it's... in The Conjuring? She was in a horror movie series. It was either that. So... Is that the one with Annabelle? She's in one of them, I forget. Yeah. The one with that guy from that thing. <laughs> well, isn't Patrick Wilson in both yeah, of them? Yeah, Patrick Wilson. Yeah. I feel like husband. he's in both of them, and that's oh, what always in, confuses me. Oh, is he in yeah. both the series? Yeah. Oh. So, well, anyway. I definitely saw the ones with her and Patrick Wilson as a married couple that de-haunted things. Is, okay, is that the one about the objects, or is that the one about the kid? There was definitely a haunted doll okay. in one of them. Because there's also one where there's, like, a kid, mm-hmm. and it's like his kid is haunted or whatever, and that one had, like, three or four. Oh, uh, that one was Insidious? 
Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that's, that's why it's very confusing because <laughs> he's in both of them. She's in The Departed. She's very good. But anyway, at so that was a great series. It had um, Freddie Highmore, who's now in The Good Doctor. So oh, anyway, yeah. yeah, the kid. Yeah. So well, he was a kid in something. Well, he was in Bates Motel before that, when he was small. Before oh. he got tall, he was a small child. And he From had, tall to small. He was, an act, he was a kid actor. But he's very good, and they're both good. And anyway, it was a good show, got canceled. Yeah. But I've been trying to, like, allow myself to just watch things that make me happy, <laughs> even good. if they're not, like, intellectually been, oh, highbrow. There have been a whole bunch of good <laughs> like, things recently. Short, like, short yeah. series is, like... Uh, Russian Doll. Everyone mm-hmm. knows that's great. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Russian Doll, yeah. and you can. You should watch it. <laughs> it was wonderful. Run. Don't walk. <laughs> uh, Umbrella Academy. Academy. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It wasn't as Russian Doll is going to be number one. Okay. But, uh, Umbrella Academy, really good. Oh, that made me think of my third one. Continue. <laughs> oh. uh, Doom Pat- Doom Patrol, which has only just started streaming on the DC Universe. Yep, I'm really enjoying it. Is there anything else? I watched the ABC murders when I was sick. I did not enjoy that. Did you like it? I liked it fine. Or... I like a murder mystery. I like a murder mystery too. I thought that was a bad telling of one. He is a little slow for three episodes. <laughs> for three even, episodes, yeah. So. Yeah, because I had now real just high. started back up again. That was pretty good. Um, they did too one... many plugs, Mom. We don't get five <laughs> plugs. Documentary now, their first documentary, which is a two-parter, is Wild Wild Country, mm-hmm. only it's called Crazy Town or something like that. It's not called Wild Wild Country, yeah. but that's what it's based on. So my other one is also on Netflix, um, and it's called Dating Around, mm. and it's just a dating show where it's not super skeezy. Or... Yeah, where it's not like yeah. super skeezy reality TV produced. It's literally just normal people. Promises one person goes on five dates in five nights, um, and they have the person who's going on these multiple dates wear the same thing each night so that the continuity is there when they edit mm-hmm. it because they just edit them all together like it's oh. one big night so well, i really want to watch yeah that. you see the like awkward greeting like you see what a first blind date is like and Yikes. then at the end they decide like who they want to go on a second date with but you have you see these conversations where like some of them you can really tell they're vibing and then some of the people are like really rude and you're like how are you on a date with this person and it's just real life and oh, it's nice and, and they have straight couples and they have gay couples and they have an elderly couple like it's just <laughs> and they're really short episodes they're like under half an hour each you can zing and there's only six episodes yeah it's just yeah it's just a nice palate cleanser when the like world is bringing you down yeah that um, sounds great but you reminded me that there's a short limited series on TBS called Miracle Workers. And it's very Heard funny. It's got um, Daniel Radcliffe in it and Steve Buscemi. Mm, it and it's about God decides that he wants to blow up the planet. <laughs> and so Daniel Radcliffe is an angel who has to sort of figure out how to talk him out of it. But it's premised as if heaven is like a company <laughs> and God is the CEO who sort of checked out and kind of quirky. And all the angels are like, they have their positions and they all do things and they're just Mm -hmm. working at this factory and so it's just a really interesting funny premise and again short 30 minute episodes and limited series so check it out on tbs did you see the good omens trailer mom i have seen a good omens trailer but i know there's a new one uh there's a new season of chef's table i know we started watching it one of them wasn't good well, it was okay, but it had a... That's what I've heard, too. <laughs> one of, there was one... You know, they were directed by all different people. Mm-hmm. The first one was great. Yeah, that's one we watched. Uh, the second one, I think it's in Italy. It's a butcher. I think he's, it's the one about the butcher. But they do this weird thing where he's talking, but instead of just showing subtitles for him talking, they have a voice actor 
saying what he's saying. That's not what they do for the other ones. And they didn't do it consistently in this one either. They just did it some of the time. And it's like, I don't want to hear a voice actor talk. I want to hear his voice. And just, you could, I can read. (laughs) So that one wasn't the best. But one thing I do like about this season is they're not really doing, it's not like Top Chef ever. The very first season was like, we all have three Michelin yeah, stars. The best. <laughs> uh, and then the second season was more, it was still pretty high culture kind of cooking. Yeah. This one is more, I, had read, I have a philosophy about why I'm doing specifically what I'm doing. I read that they got some heat for focusing mostly on white chefs in the previous season. So they moved away from that in this season and tried to get a more diverse cast of chefs. Well, the first chef is a oh yeah okay she's doing southern cooking yeah it's a black mm-hmm. black woman and the third one is a woman from india yeah so that that was intentional which i was like and hey. she's great you should that's yeah, a I good one watch that because one. the other thing that she does she when she she got it she got like her lawyer's degree or whatever she ended mm-hmm. up getting married and moving <laughs> to london with her husband and being very lonely and so at some point she forms i shouldn't tell you it's no spoilers i just want to watch it (laughs) she forms she finds other people women to hang out with and those are the people that she creates Mm. her restaurant with that sounds great do you want to talk about the drink yes (laughs) (laughs) i'm cutting you off from any more plugs all right fine (laughs) This, this drink is very easy to make except that it isn't because <laughs> so I in my reading I found out that Bill Clinton's favorite drink when he was in college and I don't know did he go to college in England or something I potentially he went to Harvard or Yale or something didn't well, they meet his in favorite Harvard? drink is a is an English drink called a snake bite hmm. or you know traditionally mm-hmm. whatever it's made from lager hard cider and it's supposed to have some I believe elderberry liqueur in it. Mm-hmm. They don't make it with the elderberry liqueur anymore for the most part. But yeah. that was how it was traditionally made. That was his favorite drink. So drink. I wanted to make some form of that drink. So I got some lager. And I think, uh, yeah, I was able to use longfish lager. I got longfish lager and that was the one that I wanted to use because it tasted the best. And then I could never find it again. <laughs> so I had one can left today. Um, and then I used cider that I made. Yeah. Which is a cherry. And added some cherry bounce to it. So it's very easy to make mm-hmm. after you make the cider, but it takes weeks to make the cider if you want to make it exactly <laughs> right. the way that I did it. But you're always making cider anyway. Right. So. Always be making cider. That's my... <laughs> ABC. That's my <laughs> always be cider. Always be yeah, cidering. That's yes. right. What are we watching next time? Yeah. Oh, Yeah, next you have to time. make that decision right now on, on me, air. I have to click around find that out let's not watch the assassination movies let's All not right. so ori- are the our original list did have a couple of assassination movies from the 90s we were going to stay one more time in the 90s but now we're, we've decided not to do yeah, that we're done i mean we already watched the jfk movie and mm-hmm. it's fine um, <laughs> that's right it's fine <laughs> so we're moving on so you know what i'm gonna make a decision we're gonna <gasps> we're, we're gonna skip over what? one because i'm not sure i want us to watch vice uh-huh and we are going to watch Vice, but yeah. I don't know if it'll be available within the next month. So I think that's smart. I'm yeah. going to move that one to the next month. Okay. Okay. They're both from the 2000s, so it's fine. We're going to watch uh, Good Night and Good Luck from 2005. Yeah. Excellent. Movie I've seen. A movie I've seen, which was very good. Okay. And Trumbo, also a very good movie. <gasps> a movie that I like to say. From 2015. Trumbo! So they're both, I don't know what they're both. One's about a reporter. 
Trumbo is the modern, the one we need to watch, right? Good. It's the modern one. Which yeah. one's more new? Twenty fifteen. <laughs> Trumbo yeah. is the modern one. <laughs> okay. Uh, with Brian Cranston playing yes. one of the blacklisted uh, screenwriters, mm-hmm. so we can talk about um, the Salt of the Earth again. Sure. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> A little bit because that was made by blacklisted. We can go talk about the Coen people. Brothers movie. <laughs> the Coen Brothers movie. The recent one. Oh yeah, the yeah. Um, oh. Oh, um, brother, we're out there? No, no. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, Canada, but it's not that. It's something to do with Greece or... Oh, Hail Caesar? Hail, Hail Caesar. Caesar. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Because uh-huh. all the writers get into the boat and... Yeah, and they're communist. All the black oh my God, that was communist so writers. Funny. Right. Oh, that was a funny movie. Yeah, so we're going to watch Trumbo. That's mm-hmm. about a blacklisted guy. And yeah. we're going to watch Good Night and Good Luck, which is about a reporter, a yep. TV reporter guy. Yeah, the guy who says good night and good luck. The guy that says good, <laughs> good night and good luck. That's right. Played by... George Clooney. Yep. No, no, it's not played by George Clooney. It's played what? by the guy. I'm I... Making a shocked face and says Nicole. Look it up quick. It's not George Clooney. <laughs> oh, it's David Stratham. What? Ooh. You'll recognize his face immediately. Did but George wait, is George Clooney in that movie? What? Is he not in Good Night and Good Luck? I don't think so. Why do we both think it's a Clooney movie? What's the black and white Maybe movie he's where a, George Clooney plays a reporter? George black Clooney? and white. George Clooney plays a reporter? In a black and white movie. But do you know who David... George Clooney, Fred Friendly. That's not right. There, <laughs> that guy, the third guy is the guy, is the star is, of the Is movie. Murrow, Edward Murrow. Uh, okay, okay sure. so maybe he's like a producer or something? What's he, does it say what his character is? He's Fred name? Friendly. Oh, I don't know what that, who that so is. So this is definitely, we're thinking of the same movie. Yes, but he's just not the producer. star of the movie. He is the producer. Okay. Fred the guy who George plays... Clooney. Edward R. Murrow is not George Clooney. I love gotcha. that we both the Clooney was the main character. Yeah, yeah. It really checks out. The yeah. guy who plays Edward R. Murrow is also in The Expanse, which I do love. Yes, watching. now that I look at his face, I'm like, oh yeah, he's that guy from that thing. He's that mm-hmm. guy. I'm sure we've seen him in another movie we've watched because <laughs> he's in lots of movies. He's in lots of sci-fi stuff. Tons of sci-fi stuff. Like The Expanse. No. I mean, he's, isn't he a little more high up than... Than well, Patrick Stewart? I remember him from very limited series Alphas, which oh, was like yeah. an yeah. X-Men ripoff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes. I remember him. He played a blind person once, but I don't know what movie it was. <laughs> but he I was always in remember that. Born Ultimatum, Lincoln, River Wild, L.A. Confidential, uh, We Are Marshall, Spider- I mean, he's in everything. He's in The Firm. Yeah. All over the League of Their Own. He's been around for a while. I know. You guys can IMDb him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, audience. Well, anyway. Yeah, that's what we're going to watch. We're going to watch those two movies, and they're both probably good, unlike Fingers most crossed. of the movies we've watched. I think Good Night and Good Look is good, or at least fine. In my memory, it was fine. Go, goodbye. <laughs> we only remember Clooney, so what do we know? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all, right? We've done it. I yeah. think so. Mm. AOC getting called out by Donald Trump by next month? No. No, I vote no. I'm going to say no. I've changed my vote now. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, you jinxed us all. If not at this point, then I don't know. I think he's going to ignore her forever or until he gets Yeah, until something happens. Until he has no choice or whatever it is for him. Right. Until he needs to say something about her to distract us from something else. Yep. Yeah, some other horrible thing he did. Okay. <laughs> All right. Put your All bets right. in. See you next time. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Politicians have to explain things to you in simpler terms so that they can get their little oversimplified explanations on the evening news. And eventually, instead of even trying to explain things, they just give up and start slinging mud at each other. And it's all to keep you excited, keep you watching, like you watch um, a car wreck or a, um, a wrestling match. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what it's like, professional wrestling.
It's staged and it's fake and it doesn't mean anything. And that goes for the debates. But we don't, we don't hate our opponents. Hell, half the time we don't even know them. But it seems it's the only way we know how to keep you all riled up. So what I want to do with this campaign is kind of quiet things down and start having a conversation about what sort of country we want this to be in the next century.